Welcome to Hoopsville. From San Antonio, I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We are not doing the entire show from San Antonio, but we will start and finish this Thursday show from here. This is a not a live show, as you probably have guessed or have heard from other shows in the past where we talked about our trip to the NCAA convention and how we would not be able to do the show live, but we've still put some segments together. and We wanted to at least show you that we're here at the NCAA convention. We're here actually at the Division Three Hotel right now. It's amongst many hotels and we're following what's going on here again more on that in a minute want to thank you for tuning in if you want to interact with us ever you can always do so on twitter at d3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville nothing major going on here at the ncaa convention when it comes to basketball last year you'll remember one of the proposals on the table was to move the start date up to november 13th for this past season and uh, other dates in the future that was passed. It will only have affected this season as next few seasons it does not apply and we'll be starting back on November 15th as we normally do. Otherwise, nothing really on the books that it pertains directly to basketball. There are some recruiting scenarios in place uh, regarding how to use social media, how to use text, or text was used in the past, but it's based on that factor. You know, restrictions on social media may be lifted. That's all stuff that would be for the entire division, not just for basketball. We'll keep an eye on that. If you want to follow us while we're here at the NCAA convention, you can follow me on Twitter at my, at my uh, more work-based uh, Twitter account, which is at Dave McHugh. You can also follow us at D3Hoopsville or YD3Show. Those accounts will be used uh, depending on the topic at hand primarily, but you can follow us there, and we hope you will take the time to do so. Let's talk about what's going on already this week in Division Three basketball. We have a new number one on the men's side. We wasn't really sure how this would break out, but Whitworth ended up getting, of the 25 votes uh, available from Elmhurst having lose, or I should say Augustana having lost to Elmhurst, Whitworth got 15 of those first place votes to take over first place. Elmhurst got two first place votes and vaulted into second place. Augustana slipped down to third, but still maintained five first place votes. I'm one of those, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Hope. Uh, is in fourth with two first place votes. We'll talk about why they'll probably be disappearing this week. And then Benedictine, who beat Elmers, and of course Elmers beat Augustana. Benedictine, one first place vote, sitting in fifth in the top 25. Listen, there's no wrong answer to who's the number one team in the country. I firmly believe that Augustana is the number one team. I think they're still the best team despite a loss. I didn't think they were going to go undefeated this season. It's a little bit of a different mentality than maybe I've had in the past, but I think Augustana is just that good, and I'm not going to take one game directly, as I've said on many shows, and just automatically say, well, you're not the number one team. Whitworth would have been my next choice, as they had been my second place team for a number of weeks, but I actually moved Elmhurst up to number two on my top 25, based on the fact that they had beat Augustana, and I felt that Elmhurst right now, the way they're playing, is better than what Whitworth's doing, nothing against Whitworth. I think Whitworth is still a pretty phenomenal basketball team with a lot of depth, but I was impressed with what Elmers was able to do with Augustana at home. Granted, we have a rematch coming of Augustana and Elmers can be played at Rock Island that will answer a lot of these questions as well. Um, but let's get to some of the other things that are going to be interesting. Hope's probably going to lose, lose these two first place votes, is my guess, is they lost on Wednesday night to Alma, 86-75. Of course, Alma is one of those teams we've been talking about on this show in the MIA since the beginning of the season was one to watch out for along with Trine. Alma proving that with a win against Hope. Again, rematch will come, but this has now turned that 
race for the top of the MIA completely around. It's not hope and then everybody else. It's going to be hope. It's going to be Alma. It's going to be Trine. And Calvin's going to be in play here. Calvin may not have the best record. They got a big win over Trine and then lost subsequently this week. That does not mean that the, the Calvin isn't a team to watch out for. This MIA race and a lot of the races in the Great Lakes are going to be fun to watch the rest of the season. The MIA is going to be exciting. The NCAC is going to be exciting. And so is the OAC. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if Hope can respond from this loss accordingly and move forward. What can Alma do with this victory without resting on their laurels, as it were? Uh, we'll see what happens the rest of this week. But that wasn't the only crazy result in, in Division III men's basketball this week. Babson beat WPI in overtime. WPI, who had certainly been having a great season, Babson had been struggling. They leapfrog. Uh, past uh, WPI this one in overtime. Uh, Flannery scored his 1,500th point. That's a lot of points for that young man. Uh, 33 points in that game. Hampton Sydney defeated Roanoke. Roanoke had just popped into the top 25 at number 20, having beaten Virginia Wesleyan at the fish tank. Hampton Sydney beat them in a Roanoke type game. Score was 192, but Roanoke didn't exactly shoot the ball all that well. This might be a good test for the Maroons. They finally got a loss they shouldn't have had. You beat Virginia Wesleyan, you should be beating Hamden Sydney. They did not defeat Hamden Sydney, and so now you want to see how Roanoke responds to this. I still think they're a pretty solid team. I think the ODAC's got a very fascinating race at the top. The top has come down, let's be honest. The bottom has probably come up, made the ODAC a much deeper, but at the same time, maybe not as strong top-wise a conference as we're used to, but it's going to be a great race there. It's now a three-way tie between Roanoke, Virginia Wesleyan, and Guilford. Speaking of those, Virginia Wesleyan, though, barely got past Eastern Mennonite in overtime, 96-94, and Guilford had to hold on to beat Emory and Henry, 61-60. It's kind of proven that that bottom of the conference has come up a bit this year, and that it's not going to be, and you're not going to get an easy game no matter where you look in the ODAC in men's play. Speaking of top 25 losses, Whitewater lost to River Falls, 75-70. Uh, that's a game that probably tells you a little bit more about, A, the depth, certainly, of the WIAC, but also that Whitewater is still kind of figuring out these tools that they have brought in, one of them being the fact they brought in a ton of transfers, something that made me buy into them and put them in my top 25 and put them in pretty high in my top 25 this week. How do they respond to this? Is this team really as gelled as everyone thinks? Uh, River Falls with a solid win, 75-70 there. Augustana beat North Central, 76-49. They led 33-2, 15 minutes into the game. I mean, talk about a response from, from, your, from your loss to Elmers, not that they didn't have a game in between, but they then take on the next opponent who's ranked 25th in North Central and decimate them, absolutely decimate them. Uh, certainly a message from Augustana. As for North Central, it's a tough game to now argue to be in the top 25. Normally, I would sit here and say, okay, we all knew that the number three team would beat the number 25 team according to the rankings, right? But when you decimate them like that, now we'll see what happens to North Central. That was a game I was certainly looking on. Uh, I have not voted for North Central in my top 25 yet. I looked at this week and said, why? They've got Augustana, they've got Illinois Wesleyan. Do I want to hold on? and still vote for them yet or wait. And I'm kind of glad I waited, but I really wanted more information. Susquehanna defeated Juniata in the top of the Landmark Conference, 60 to 55. Susquehanna continues to roll along pretty impressively, but Merchant Marine beat Scranton. And this is that game with Scranton. They've been playing a little bit on edge. Had a lot of games, you know, not a very lot of time. Barely got past Goucher, as you remember. They got smoked by Susquehanna at home. Now they've lost to Merchant Marine. 
Scranton has, has firmly put themselves in jeopardy of making the postseason without winning the conference title. They still can make it as, a, as an at-large bid. But when I talk, especially on the boards, about the fact that these teams cannot take bad losses in the conference or extra losses in the conference for at-large hopes, Scranton losing to Merchant Marine is example A of that argument. And for Scranton, again, from what I was reading, went to the outside shot, didn't go with the inside players, and they struggled against Merchant Marine. Let's flip it over to the women's side. Road teams took a licking. Uh, River Falls defeated Whitewater as well for the, uh, for the doubleheader. Sweets, sweep 74-69, excuse me. Wartburg took their first loss in conference as Luther beat them 78-68. That's going to be an interesting race in the IIAC uh, to watch this year. Augsburg beat Bethel. Remember, Bethel just came off a big victory over St. Thomas uh, last week on the women's side. So Augsburg to win that game with Bethel traveling 58-56, that's a tough one for Bethel. It's a Bethel team I still think is trying to find themselves. They're really talented. Um, but I think that MIAC race, both men and women, is incredible to watch this season. Much deeper than in years past. And women, we've kind of seen that coming. And the men, it's coming along late. Stevens Point beat Platteville. I bring this up because Shirley Egner won her 500th. So congratulations to Shirley Egner. We'll see about getting her on a future Hoopsville to talk about that. By the way, back on Tuesday, did you notice McDaniel women defeated Muhlenberg? Muhlenberg had been undefeated, ranked, I think it was 10. They may have moved up. I may have lost track. McDaniel beats him at Muhlenberg, which is a, certainly a significant win for McDaniel, who is picked to win this conference. So it's not necessarily that kind of surprise, but McDaniel hasn't exactly dominated either. Uh, we talked to Ron Roan recently on Hoopsville, as you may remember, uh, and I think you know he, he certainly didn't think he could get through the conference undefeated, but I didn't think he would expect to lose a game to McDaniel, especially after leading, I think it was by about 16 at halftime. Just not a good... Uh, loss for Muhlenberg at their own place. Uh, by the way, have you have anyone noticed Rowan out of the New Jersey out of the New Jersey Athletic Conference? Rowan is off to their best start. Of course, obviously we're past that point at this point, but still best start since 1999-2000 season. They are 14 and one. This is a conference that Montclair State has dominated the headlines on for the last few years, and that uh, last year Stockton reemerged as a, as a potential team on the women's side. Rowan has emphatically put their foot on this conference. 14-1, congratulations to them. By the way, Christopher Newport defeated Mary Washington in, in landmark, I'm sorry, in CAC play. That's a significant win. We'll talk more about that coming up, about how just wide open the CAC is at the top. A lot of good teams with a lot of good records. That's a key victory at the top of that conference for Christopher Newport and Mary Washington. Uh, before we get any further, and obviously we have a lot of show to talk about, we'll talk about our guests coming up. Did you see the buzzer beater from Brockport at Oswego on, on the other night? Simply incredible. We'll set it up with this. It's a two-point lead for Oswego on their home court. Brockport is 94 feet from the basket, and there's 1.7 seconds left. Check out what happened. David Clark's full court pass hit the rim. It bounced up on the rim and is grabbed by his teammate, Hamed Shamlisten. I hope I said your name correctly. He grabs it and drains a long jumper to force overtime. An incredible play. Sports Center made it their top play in the night on Wednesday night. Uh, pretty appropriate uh, since Steve Levy was anchoring the show. And with Levy, Levy is an Oswego grad, if you didn't know. He actually wanted to see it from WTOP's perspective, which is Oswego's television station up there. But nonetheless, incredible shot for a buzzer beater. That one's going to be tough to meet. 
do you think everybody now draws up that play in their playbook? Okay, you're going to throw it 94 feet off the rim. Your teammate's going to grab the ball since it's still the clock hasn't started yet and put in the shot. Pretty impressive to say the least. Coming up here on Hoopsville, here's what we got. Remember, we're going to cover the west, the Great Lakes, the east, and the mid-Atlantic regions here on Thursdays. And so we'll head out west. We'll head out to talk to Caltech's Dr. Oliver Esslinger. He's also part of the NABC Coaches Corner, the inaugural Coaches Corner for this season. We're going to talk to him about not only the fact that Caltech, when we spoke to him, 3-0 in conference action and on top, and no matter what happened on Wednesday, they would still be tied for the lead. That's one of the best starts in 50, 60, or 60 some odd years for Caltech. We'll talk to Coach Esslinger, and being that it's the NABC Coach's Corner, we'll get a little bit more in depth about him as a coach and ask him some, questions, some fun questions at the end. Great Lakes region, we'll head to New York, believe it or not. We'll head to the eastern side of the Great Lakes region and talk to Hilbert's Rob DeCrampery having a very good season in the AMCC. We'll see if they can get over the hump, if he thinks this is the team that can get over the hump of winning a lot of games but not making the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to him. Then we'll slide into the East region, not that hard from New York State. We'll just slide into Nazareth. Nazareth women's coach Kelly Dunn joins us on the show. She's a graduate of Nazareth, did pretty good as a player, and she's already having some big impact in her first year as head coach at Nazareth. We'll talk to her about her squad. We'll stay in the East region and slide down into the Mid-Atlantic area and talk, and uh, Gordon Mann provides us a great interview with Lancaster Bibles men's basketball coach, Zach Filzen. He talked to him. Uh, interestingly, on the day that Glenn Robinson won his 900th, Gordon made the time to go to Lancaster Bible to check in on the Chargers. Then we will officially jump into the Mid-Atlantic region and I talk to Marymount women's basketball coach Ashley Rogers. We talk about the craziness that is the CAC, how good the top of the CAC is, maybe underappreciated, and how good it's been for a long time. Talk to her also as a player who is now coaching her alma mater and uh, in the, in the impact that she has had with that program. I want to thank the WBCA and NABC once again. We are not in their studios for this segment or the last one, but we will be back in the WBCA and NABC studios for most of this show. But their uh, contributions and partnership with Hoopsville allows us to make this trip to San Antonio for the NCAA convention and, more importantly, to catch some basketball while we are out there. I want to thank them wholeheartedly for joining on with the crew. The NABC obviously been here a while, WBCA brand new this year. We will be back, as I said the WBCA and ABC studios for a majority of this show until we come back here to San Antonio at the end. And of course, we'll be back in the WBCA and ABC studios the rest of the season when we get back there on Sunday. So that's it. Those you know who your guests are, that's what we got for the rest of the show. So let's get to it. You've been listening to Hoopsville. We're going to be back with, uh, we'll go head out west to Caltech. Doc will join us here on Hoopsville, and we'll talk about the NABC Coaches Corner as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. More Hoopsville, right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division Three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that 
is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us on this Thursday evening. Granted, a recorded show once again. Hope you don't mind, but we're at least trying to put some shows together for you while we are uh, unable to do it live. Um, as this and the rest of our interviews will 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 reveal that these are all recorded interviews ahead of time. Uh, some teams have actually played games since we've talked to them, but due to travel restrictions, this is what we get this week. At least the topics and the teams are rather um, good in the sense of who the no matter what the results of the games are still. A topic of conversation. If you'd ever like to interact with us, especially when we're live, but even when we're not on the air, you can always do so via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, it all scrolls right on the bottom of your screen in case you ever want to double check it. Um, we're going to uh, on Sunday, we debuted the very first ever WBCA Center Court. It's modeled after the NABC Coach's Corner which we hadn't gotten up and running this this season, mainly because we were waiting for a little bit more of the season to get under our belts. But now it's time to get it up and running. And normally we, we save this for later in the, in the show, but we want to get out of the blocks, as it were, with a good segment. And it's a team that you may not be realizing is having a tremendous season. They're a team that has slowly but surely progressed from not really being much of a topic or when they were, it's about the fact they finally won a game to a team who's actually competing at the top of their conference, at least for right now. They certainly are not a walkover anymore, and the conference has to take them seriously. A lot has changed in, at Caltech, especially in the six, seven years that uh, Coach Doc, Dr. Oliver Esslinger has been in charge and included a Sports Illustrated rather lengthy article back in November. So we figured we'll start the NABC Coaches Corner this season with Caltech and joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline from the West Coast, Dr. Esslinger. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. I appreciate always you. A pleasure to, always a pleasure to speak with you. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Just for shortening of everything, I'm going to call you by your nickname. Everybody calls you Doc. I hope you don't mind me calling you Doc. No, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Listen, this is a story that I, I've been looking at all season long and trying to figure out, okay, when do we get Caltech in? Because, honestly, you've been on this show a few times, but it's been under that, oh, look what Caltech did scenario. And I didn't want to give that part of the story this year. I don't want to sit there and go, look, Caltech won a game. Because I know you guys are trying to do more than that. You are leading the conference as we speak at 3-0. and And no matter what the outcome is on Wednesday, which is happening after we tape, but before we put the show on the air, you will still be leading the Skyac. That is significant for this program. Yeah, I mean, thank you. It's been a obviously a fun week uh, last week. Yeah, and I mean, we we had our we got our three game week out of the way too. Yeah, um, since we have 
there's two of the nine the nine teams in the Skyac. Um, someone has to go through a three game week, and we cut through ours first, and and three really different kinds of games. I mean, so you know we were really proud of uh, of how we managed all of that and and came out on top in each of them. And you know, you started the season with a big win too. I mean, you guys started this thing with a bang by beating Occidental in your your out of conference rivalry game. You'll play you always play them an extra time. You beat them eighty six seventy seven to start the season. Then you decided to I mean, you challenged yourselves this year. You went up to Whitworth and played them. You went to Whitman and played. You went to Linfield and played them. Uh, unfortunately all all of them losses, but respectable losses. You you certainly I mean eighty to fifty eight against Whitworth is still a pretty close game. Um, you know, Whitworth now the new number one team in the country. Uh, right. You beat Santa Cruz. They came back and returned the favor on you. But then you went and took on George Fox and you took on Wisconsin lacrosse. And while they were losses, these games were competitive. And then you right. came out of that with three wins in a conference. You beat Redlands, you beat Cal Lutheran, and you beat Occidental a second time. It's got to be feel good to not only be in games and challenging in games, but then to come out of a tough stretch and win three in a row. Yeah, well, the the first part of it, I mean, we wanted to when we when we put our non-conference schedule together, we say, look, we we need we need all Division three games first mm-hmm. of all, mm-hmm. and and we're at a point where yeah, we're not we're not afraid to go up to uh, to Whitworth and Whitman. We wanted to do that. We we wanted to see what it was like. I mean, we had never been up there before. I had never been in the Whitworth arena before. Sure, and I, I want to know what that's like. Uh, in preparation for the future too, mm-hmm. and and I think it's it's good for our it's good for our conference. So we're really trying to 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 spearhead kind of this this idea. Look, we, we don't care as long as we're playing Division three games and and finding ways to travel and finding ways to to bring teams here. I think that's good for Caltech. I think it's good for our student athletes. I think it's good for the rest of the league as well. And um, the 110 rivalry. I mean, that that was the the event we that uh, Coach Newhall and I put together, you know, a couple of years and said let's start off the season with that. So that's a that's a really fun game. Um, and the big thing was this year it was at their place, and mm-hmm. and so we we start off the the year with a road win, and and that was that was good for our confidence. Oh, certainly, great. And, uh, and and we were and and this year we also traveled more than we have. I mean, mm-hmm. we went up to Santa Cruz. We went up. We did the Washington trip, and we even we had our second ever Division One exhibition at San Diego. So we said the non-conference is whatever happens in the non-league, fine. But it's all about prep for conference, and that's really what we were trying to get through to 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 our team. And it's building the confidence with this unit, which obviously responded with three wins, one of them at home against Redlands, and then two more on the road against Cal Lutheran and Occidental. Um, and uh, as we speak, you will have played Claremont Mud Scripts by the time this airs, but you'll have Pomona and Pitzer ahead of you, both games at home. Have you seen a difference in, in the atmosphere at home? Well, we've had great crowds for the last several years, mm-hmm. but... Uh, What's what's really great? I mean, we expect people to be at our home games. Sure. But what is really unique and speaks to just the the community at Caltech and the caring and kind of the the, the family atmosphere just on campus. Everyone truly is supportive of what all departments do. So we go on the road to Calu, and we come back from from that big deficit at halftime, and then before you know it, I mean, we're 
when I look up in the stands, I didn't even realize how many fans we had there at that game. They were coming down from the stands. And then and then this this past Saturday at Occidental, I knew we would probably have a, a pretty big crowd of fans. And, um, and a lot of them were just adults and community members from mm-hmm. Pasadena, wow. which is really neat. Yeah. So it's not just the students, but it's like a thing to do. Wow. So, you know, hopefully they come out in droves for uh, for these next couple home games, sure. which I, I think they will. I have a feeling they will. We just talk about that Kalu game. You guys came from 19 down in that one to yeah. beat them by four. Listen, let's be honest. The Caltech team of three, four, five years ago, that doesn't happen. And obviously the out-of-conference schedule is making an impact there because you're able to hang tough with some really good squads. I have a feeling your team kind of just doesn't understand the word quit anymore. Yeah, this is a, a resilient group, and they're, they're, we've tried to teach the grit uh, by by taking on some really good really good teams over the years. But this group, I mean, four of our starters, uh, our regular starters are juniors and one's a senior. And those guys, I mean, they learned so much from our previous recruiting classes. And and guys like Brian Joel and Andrew Hogue and Michael Edwards and and Colin Murphy and I mean the list goes on and on with uh, with with leaders and tough guys who they didn't win a lot of games but this group now wouldn't be doing what they did or are doing without those other guys going through it I mean learning how to just focus on every single possession you know and even if we weren't winning the game um, or the outcome wasn't what we wanted, uh, the, just the learning that takes place while you're building a program uh, is pretty amazing. And uh, so it's kind of all coming together. And then, I mean, it started to come together really last February when mm-hmm. we won the three games, mm-hmm. three conference games in February. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's just, it's a credit to the guys who've gone through the program and played for me and, and the other alumni who are really proud of what we're doing, who did not play for me and sure. play for the staff. I'm proud of just the program itself. I think that's also significant is you're leading the conference in six statistical categories. A lot of them are defense. This is a team who's taken on the mantle of being a tough defensive team. You're only allowing 69 points on the season. And to be honest with you, that's considering some of those tougher opponents. In the right. Skyac, that number is even better than that. Um, you, you guys are literally doing this kind of from a defense wins championships mentality that if you can stop the other opponent, you've got a chance. Yeah, we, we've, I mean, people often ask, you know, you're a defensive coach or an offensive coach. I mean, I just, I like to say I'm a basketball coach and you've got to be good. <laughs> you've got to be good at, on both sides of the ball and in the full court game as, as well as all the mental, the mm-hmm. mental, uh, the mental parts of the game. So, um, no, we're we're proud of what we're doing defensively. We're we're big. I mean, we're big and long, uh, especially our 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 starting group there. Um, you know, it, I mean, it rivals some of the bigger teams in the country and even Division One teams um, because our our guards are so big. So we're able to be pretty versatile. And do some different things offensively and defensively, and definitely trying to maximize that too. 
Of course, it's a Caltech team, which means you get you got brainiacs on this squad, and they come from everywhere. You're led, um, and I'm hoping I'm going to get these names right, uh, Ricky Galliani, um, mm-hmm. a 6'4 junior from Menlo Park, California, at guard. You talk about size here. Uh, he's leading the team at 11.6, I think, points a game, as you and I talk, 11.2, I should say. Casey, is it Emma, Emma Z? It's pronounced Amesia. Amesia. Actually. Oh, yeah. interesting. Amesia. Amesia. Yeah. He's the senior. It's six six guard slash forward. Uh, he's averaging about ten and a half points a game. And I wanted to mention uh, Nasser Al Reyes, uh, your six ten junior forward slash center. He's averaging uh, nine point five points a game, but he's from Qatar. So right. that's yeah. where we start to get the flavor that is truly Caltech. And of course, the first two guys I mentioned are in computer science. And Al Reyes is in mechanical engineering, and we can talk about the brainiacs, and we and we will a bit in a, in a way. But you have a very diverse, by default, recruiting ways and by default roster. Yeah, it's really really diverse. I mean, the the those first five and just the, the entire roster, and really the the rosters we've had. But that's that's one of the great things about being at Caltech. I mean. Uh, worldwide known and and the number one university in the world the last several years and mm-hmm. i mean people around the world know caltech and and uh that's where i think we have a little bit of an advantage where when it comes to recruiting and i i think we've talked about this before yeah. we're not we're not recruiting just southern california or california or the west coast but we can really hit all parts of the world yeah, you got a guy from North Carolina, from Maryland, from Minnesota, from Qatar, as we mentioned, uh, and even from Hong Kong. Um, right. and, and even, you know, this has obviously got a lot of California guys on it, but you, you, you're you diverse. You know, something else we talked about in the past was, you know, it was a little bit of a who's interested in playing basketball mentality from guys who are very much at Caltech for a very, very good reason, uh, the true student-athletes, as it were. But I have had a sense that that has changed a little bit, and that the recruiting trails, it's more about, hey, I'd like to come to Caltech and play basketball while also getting a really darn good education. Yeah, I mean, that's I think you hit the nail on the head right there. If you asked our guys why they came here, I mean, it's obviously for the education. Sure. And, but they, they also know that we can play basketball at a high level. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of this. And, I mean, we just were talking about this week that this week as as far as yeah we're we're doing some we're doing some pretty remarkable things at least the outside world thinks they're remarkable you know, based <laughs> on based on history but that's exact these are exactly the the goals that these guys came in here with so it's it's not it's not really a surprise to us because that's what we've been talking about mm-hmm. and envisioning but uh i mean obviously it's fun to be a part of it um, by the way, I just want to note to anybody listening who doesn't realize your assistant coaches are from all over, too. Uh, one of right. them graduate, and they're young. One of them graduated in 2012 from New Hampshire, another one from Laverne in 2014. I think they would call him a traitor. Um, <laughs> and then another well, one from Gonzaga in 2009. Yeah. So yeah, our, you've got I mean, some diversity there, too. I can't say enough about our assistants. This is, this is just one tremendous staff. I mean, they are... They're committed and hardworking and caring and passionate, and and they are younger. And that I mean, there's there's some there's some strategy behind that because we want guys who who can get in there and mm-hmm. mix it up with our players, and they can relate to them, and they they've got that youthful energy, and 
it's it's just part of my overall philosophy too. Is uh, look, I want guys on my staff who want to be head coaches someday. I want them eager to learn. I want to be able to give them a number of things that they can do and feel engaged. And they're just, I mean, they're rolling and having a really good time. I mean, um, and we're lucky to have to have all of them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're lucky to have them. It was, I mean, it, it's another advantage here. I can put out an ad, an assistant ad, <laughs> and these guys, I get a lot, I get lots and lots of resumes to go through. Interesting. And so I can really select who who we think would be great here. And uh, I mean, Coach Brisky, he's he, he's the one who went to UNH, and mm-hmm. coincidentally, he's from the Albany, New York area, which is where I went to high school too. Yeah. So I thought well, I got to give him a chance because he's from the Tri City <laughs> area. And then uh, and then Ron C, who, who was an All Conference player at Laverne, and I was always impressed with the way he played. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, that was. He played in our SoCal Senior Showcase event, which we started a few years ago. For, for it's a Division Two versus Division Three All Star game. Cool. And uh, he was really impressed with how we did that. And um, so it, I wouldn't call him a traitor. I mean, he, he asked <laughs> if he could come on staff, and I said, "Well, let me talk to Coach Reed first. Let, yeah. Let's make sure that that's okay with your your staff there." But it was all good. That's great. And then uh, and then yeah, Jordan Mast, who, who's new this year. Um, Played a couple years at Gonzaga, high-level player, won the state championship against Kevin Love in high school. I mean, this is a high-level staff, and uh, the road trips have been have been good for the staff too. Sure, to get to know each other. Sure. How much of your experience of your six years at MIT? I know when we talked, and I don't remember if it was our very first interview after you, you took over and you started to have success at Caltech or one of the other ones in between. You talked about how you wanted to emulate what they were doing at MIT because. For all intents and purposes, MIT and Caltech are very similar, uh, very high academic standards. But the the difference at MIT is they have certainly found the academic and athletic niche to work and have had very successful programs, as everybody knows, especially their men's basketball program. But their football program has been good, and several other of their programs have developed. You wanted to bring that mentality. You wanted to bring that niche, as it were, to mm-hmm. Caltech. It seems like you're starting to get that success there are you now seeing that as well through the other programs at Caltech who are trying to now emulate what you're doing? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think re- really what I wanted to do when I came in here was I tried to take a look at all the high academic schools, mm-hmm. whether it was Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and and really look at the details of what what exactly are they doing to to for their mission and how are they selling the message and all that. And of course, you incorporate your own ideas too. Yeah. So, um, but no, I'm 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 happy with with where we're at, and and I mean, Caltech is such a unique place in itself. I know we've talked about that too, just in in the environment and, and being in Pasadena, and and as far as what we offer. But what's really been great over the last couple of years has been the uh, the camaraderie within our department, and. Um, I mean, because you often hear about other athletic departments where the, the, the head coaches don't really talk to each other, and uh, they kind of just do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's very different here. I mean, this is, it's, it's, um, we are close knit, and the, the coaches talk to each other, and they, uh, I mean, they, they're coming to our games, and they're excited about what we're doing, and they're, they're tweeting out that it's inspiring them for, for what they're about to do. I mean. I mean, just high energy all around, and 
that's one thing that, that it keeps it keeps you motivated too. You sure. can't get complacent. Sure, yeah. And you, so you have you just have all the support, and that again speaks to the, the support of of Caltech in general. It's just the feeling you get. You walk on a campus here, and you just feel the love. Yeah. <laughs> and I... that's that's really what I've I've wanted it to be like, and and everyone else is doing it now too. It's really great. We're talking to Doc. Dr. Oliver Esslinger, head coach of Caltech, five and seven overall. More importantly, three and zero oh in the Skyac as we speak. They have a game obviously on Wednesday before this airs. We certainly hope that record improves. But one thing that that is you know was huge, coach, was back in November a major Sports Illustrated article. This wasn't a two pager. This wasn't a you know oh hey check out Caltech story. This was an in depth story that I think was even bigger, if memory serves, online than it was in print by Chris Ballard, a longtime writer for them. I'm sure the title, Revenge of the Nerds, kind of irked, not irked a few people, but kind of one of those, oh, come on. I'm sure there's a better title. But the article was tremendous, talking about what these changes have taken place at Caltech and how this men's basketball program has gone from a team that always loses to a team that you never know could come out with a major victory. What was it like to go through that, that the process of having that article written and what's the reaction been since it came out? Because I have a feeling not a lot of people knew that article was coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was a surprise to a lot of folks. <laughs> um, but uh, the process was was a lot of fun, exhilarating. I mean, Ballard is here a few times. Oh, you know, he he's a he's a long form writer, mm-hmm. and he, he does his homework. And um, so, I mean, he tried to get a lot of details and, and in depth and. And, and talk to a lot of people, so we were we were very pleased with with what was printed, and um, not only the the magazine edition, which had an unbelievable spread of yeah. images, yeah. you know, but also the the online version. Yeah, it was it was like a, and a mini ebook, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it was, really was. So when I I showed it to my wife uh, on my iPad there and. She's like, man, how long is this thing? <laughs> I said it's pretty lengthy, yeah. but uh, enjoy it. So, no, the process was great. The guys, the the, the players had a lot of fun the, uh, talking to him and getting to know him, and the staff had a lot of fun. There was a lot of energy around that time, starting the season too. And uh, what was great with the timing was we were coming back from the the Washington trip, and. That was when the print version came out yeah. in the in the magazine there, and so on the way back we went through uh, through Portland. Well, Portland, the Portland airport didn't have the ma- the new magazine out yet, <laughs> you know. But once we got the back to LAX, the guys went into that store and they bought every one of them. You know, they yeah. bought every <laughs> they bought the place out. Nice. Um, so that was the timing of it to be in it in the airport at the time was was cool. Um, but reaction-wise, I mean, I've heard from, man, I've heard from a lot of people out there in the basketball world, but also just random, random folks that I've never met, you know, from sure. um, from the, the dentist in New Jersey to the <laughs> the random the random folks overseas. Sure. Uh, so it's been it's been good. It's been good, and not only that, some of the other coaches in the department are saying. They're hearing from recruits hmm. who did not know about us until they saw that. So 
it's it's good. It's good for the it's good for the institute in general as yeah, a whole. Absolutely. Uh, well, and it's you know it's not often that a Division three school would even get mentioned in Sports Illustrated outside of maybe faces in the crowd, but to see right. a full spread article about a Division three program, uh, especially one like yours, is incredible. Yeah, I mean. That, and we knew that. I mean, we understand the big picture of it and, yeah. and what that means to, to, to have, to be able to represent Caltech, to be able to represent Division Three, to be able to represent college basketball. I mean, that was yeah. the coolest thing to me was you go to the title page mm-hmm. and it just said college basketball, Caltech. Yep. That was that, that kind of summed up the whole experience. I agree with you. Uh, segments. Longer than expected, but I'm loving all this. I, uh, the Coach's Corner allows us to get to know a bit about you. I want to at least dive into that before we get to our favorite part, the questions section. You are a psychology um, uh, doctorate. Uh, I was going to say major. You were a major. You were, you were a master's and a right. doctorate. What I found interesting is you got it in counseling psychology along with sports psychology. I have a feeling those two are closer related than people probably appreciate. Well, there's a lot of crossover. I mean, just in psychology fields in general sure i mean you can take one thing and and translate it to another just like in just like in sports just yeah. like in basketball um but yeah i mean clark university is a great school for psychology mm-hmm. and so that's what i did my undergrad and then went on to bu and and did the masters in, in counseling and the doctorate in counseling psych, psych sports psych so i was able to to really dive into the material there and and, and write all my papers uh at bu on um, sports psych and and the mental part of the game and really mental imagery, and that's what I wrote my dissertation on. And I, I, it definitely comes in handy in, I was gonna in my profession. Say, I was going to say, how much are you using that on a daily basis? <laughs> well, I use it personally and, and with our staff and and with people I talk with and, sure. and of course with the players. So wow. just just uh, I've always said, look, whatever. Whatever we can do to gain some sort of advantage and, and gain a little more confidence, we want to do that. Sure. So. Well, and, and, and they say a lot of times coaching is part being a counselor anyway to many of your teams. So oh, you have You yeah. have an unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> well, however you want to state that, that's fine with me. But. <laughs> True. Or an unfair disadvantage. I guess you could go either way with that now that I think about it. Yeah. Hey, Coach, as part of the Coach's Corner, we do have some fun questions to ask. If anybody who listens to this show often will notice, some of the cross questions also cross over with the WBCA Center Court, uh, but some of them are different. So if you don't mind, uh, you can answer these as short or as long as you'd like. They're just some fun questions. Uh, we've modeled it a little bit after Bravo TV's Inside the Actors Studio, though. We don't ask you your favorite swear word. Um, Good. <laughs> mainly because I can I, I can pretty much sum up a lot of the coaches' favorite swear words um, myself. Um, but let's go, if you don't mind. Okay, fire away. First question, what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially at Division Three? Education. Just I love, love the fact that I, I consider myself an educator. Um, it's not just about the basketball, mm. but it's about being a part of the campus, the family here. And uh, and mentoring young men and and student athletes, not only on my team but uh, just other other students at Caltech that I yeah. talk to. Wow, very good. What's your biggest pet peeve as a coach? <laughs> uh, 
it's the lack of time and all the yeah. uh, with everything we have to do and, sure. and the amount of video that we watch and how we prepare and I mean there's just always something there's always something um, makes sense um, yeah. obviously we've gone through some rule changes this year but it doesn't mean there may not be a favorite rule or a favorite nuance even if it's not even a rule a nuance of the game that you love the most wow well I guess I, I like the shot clock change okay uh, I like I like being able to speed up the game I guess a little bit sure um, that that's that's been good. I mean, we we've, we've wanted to play a little bit faster anyway. <laughs> and uh now you get that advantage. And yeah, so 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 that's been good. And I think we realized that when we took our our trip to Spain, we got to play mm. with the 24 second shot clock. Oh wow. You know, so uh that yeah. was good. I think the guys enjoy that. I'm sure they did. Uh per the same idea, is there any and obviously coming off of a number of rule changes, is there any rule that exists that you'd like to either see, uh, see changed or removed, or is there a rule that hasn't been put in play you'd, you'd like to see added? Any of those, you know, add one, change one, remove one. Well, I think the the one the one that was really apparent to begin this season was the inability for the the coach to call a timeout yeah. during live play because the first couple of games I was trying to call one. <laughs> you and everybody else. Yeah. yeah. So that. <laughs> That that's been different, and so being able to manage that and teach the players this is what we got to do in this situation, and mm -hmm. and talk about with the assistants how can we best manage this. Mm -hmm. it, it it's 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 actually created some more communication for us. So <laughs> again, like everything, if you read the Sports Illustrated article, I yeah. like everything is an advantage. Yeah, there you I go. Like, uh, be optimistic about everything. So there you go. Um, what would your wife say? she'd like to see you change on the bench as a, as a coach. If she's watching a game, is there anything she bugs you about going, gosh, I wish you wouldn't do that. Or could you do this instead? Is there anything that she kind of puts in your ear or would put in somebody else's ear about your coaching style? She's the greatest coach I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, she, she hasn't been been able to go to a lot of games the last couple of years sure. because we've, we have the two young kids. I can appreciate but, that. Um, I think the the biggest change was um, she got me a new she helped me get a new suit uh, this year. <laughs> I've been wearing that. <laughs> so she's wanted you in fashion sense to change a little she's bit. Thinking about the fashion, yeah. I can understand that. So, what about the same thing from your assistant's point of view? What would they want to have you change as a coach? Well, I mean, I know that coaches are humans right and they sure. want to feel wanted and empowered and engaged <laughs> and and so i think the more you know the more that I, I mentioned this earlier the more work i can give them and make them feel special and then we can see that we're putting their action plans into our practice plans and game plans and then it's working out um i think that's been a big piece of it so um you know, just continuing to talk to the staff. You want, you, sure. you want to. You, we've got three great assistants. You want to use all of them and, yeah. and get all their ideas, and that's that's what I want them there for. And they're learning, of course, and I, I pick up something every day too. Um, I don't know if you've ever earned a technical from a ref. I don't know if you get that fired up because it's hard on the web stream to determine that. But is there anything you've figured out you can say to a ref that will get your point across but won't cross the line of a tech? Yeah, I mean it's been several years since I've had one of those. <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah, but it's also been part of um, the psychology of getting to know their personalities and know <laughs> who you can talk to. 
Sure. And so there's certain guys when I look and see that they're officiating the game, I say, I got to get this guy to smile or laugh this game. <laughs> That's one of my game goals. Oh, and nice. So there's a couple guys like that which you can joke with and, and we'll listen to you. And then there's a couple you can't, but uh, it's always a work in progress. I, I, I bet it is. I would love to watch you on the sideline in person sometime. Uh, final question. When you do retire and everyone does eventually retire, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach? As a, you know, a, a caring, a, a yeah. caring and a, the, a individual, I mean, a coach who really cared about you as a person first and, and try to make the most of the opportunity and 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 who instilled toughness and creativity and all the all these kind of categories we talk about and characteristics that transcend life and and translate to your profession or being a better uh, family man or whatever it is it's it's just the whole person um, and that's that's really my philosophy I'm just lucky and fortunate that I get to do it via basketball and, and do it in a profession that I really love. But uh, and but the, the legacy part of it, I mean, being at the world's number one institution, I mean, that's a pretty cool feature. Sure. <laughs> it's a great feature. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Coach, having a little fun with us, getting to know you better, getting to know the program better. Congratulations on the on the on this point of the season being undefeated in the conference. And obviously, may, we'll have played a game. We hope you're still undefeated. By the time this uh, interview hits the air, if not, you still have a tremendous record uh, in conference. We're looking to see, how, looking forward to seeing how the Skyhawk shakes out the rest of the way. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just appreciate you, Dave, and, and D3 Hoops. And um, it's always fun to be on. And this was a really fun interview, and uh, especially under the circumstances. So, I mean, our conference is really good. Yeah, our conference is great. I mean, every it's just a dogfight. And so we're just day by day trying to enjoy it, but work really hard. So, uh, but to, to be able to take the time right now, um, this the second week of conference play, it was special to, to talk with you guys and and um, just thank thank everyone for all the support. I mean, we have, we have worldwide support. It really means a lot. I mean, the the fans and the energy, uh, not only in the in the stands, but the messages we get too. That that means something. So, go Caltech and and roll orange. That's what we're saying now. Nice. I like it. Well, uh, good luck the rest of the way, Coach. We appreciate you taking the time. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Okay, thanks. Doc, Dr. Oliver Esslinger joining us here on Hoopsville in the NABC Coaches Corner. Appreciate him taking the time. Lengthy segment, but wow, that was fun. Uh, getting to know the Caltech program and getting to talk to Doc a little bit more. Always enjoy chatting with him on the show. When we come back, uh, we will switch gears and head out a little further east. We'll head into New York State, but continue talking men's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I'm a Division three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, 
and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division Three student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Talking men's basketball, we'll keep that up. We'll go from the West Coast. We'll come back to uh, New York State. But we're going to go Great Lakes region. It's one of those outliers, as it were. It's because it's the Allegheny Mountain Collegiate Conference. And joining us on the Hoopsville hotline shortly will be the coach who's leading the the conference as we speak. If you went to the AMC um, uh, standings, you would be remiss not to think that Penn State Barron, one of those that's always been at the top, would be sitting there on top, but it's not. It's Hilbert. Hilbert, as we speak, has a half-game lead on Barron at 6-1 and one in the conference. It certainly got our interest. We haven't talked to the Hawks in a little while. I want to get their point of view on things. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Coach Rob DeGrempery. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Dave, thanks for having me. Happy to be on the show and uh, looking forward to talking some D3 basketball with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do so. Uh, Just again, a reminder to everybody, these are pre-taped interviews. We're talking to Coach uh, well before they even play Alfred State here on Wednesday. Um, But that's just how it works with travel and all. But Coach, you guys are off to a terrific start this season. And really, as I've said in the last few shows, it's not a start anymore. We're halfway through. 11-2, 11-2, and 6-1 and one in conference, you're in very good position at the midway point. You know, I think we're, uh, we're certainly pleased and, and, and very proud of our guys for working exceptionally hard. It's, uh, you know, this time of year is a lot of fun. We don't have classes right now. We're, we're kind of in the semester break, and uh, we tell our guys, you know, you got one job to do right now, and that's be a basketball player, and uh, I think they're enjoying that role. And um, as we get into the, uh, towards the end, I, I should say, of the, the first round of our conference scheduling, um, you know, we got some big opponents coming mm-hmm. up, and I think uh, what we've learned over the last uh, couple of weeks as we've been playing is you got to come every night, and uh, and if you don't come to play, somebody's going to get you. You guys have put up a lot of points. We'll talk more about that, but it's interesting. It's the games you've lost where you've struggled to put up the points. It was Alfred who beat you 91-74, and it was Penn State Altoona just last weekend who held you guys to 66 points in a one-point loss. It certainly seems that when your offense is clicking and it's scoring, you're in great shape. But when a defense is able to kind of hinder you guys a little bit or the shooting night is off, that's when you guys run into some trouble. Yeah, there's, you're absolutely right, Dave. It's, um, you know, we like to shoot the, the long ball and we like to score in transition like a lot of teams. And, um, you know, it's not that we can't play half-court basketball. We're certainly pretty good at that as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a lot of fun to play up and down, and, and our guys thrive in that, uh, in that type of system. And, um, you know, we've we run into a couple opponents that have just, you know, slowed us down and, you know, for whatever reason, just couldn't put the, you know, the biscuit in the basket, as they say, uh, <laughs> on, on Sunday. But, um, 
you know, I give uh, I give Penn State Altoona a lot of credit. They were ready to play. They had a tough game the day before, and we don't play a lot of back-to-back games in the AMCC, right. but this was our back-to-back weekend, and, um, you know, I think everybody uh, obviously trying to find their legs on day two, and, um, you know, credit goes to Altoona. They were uh, they were better than we were. Yeah, certainly to, to have them come into your place. Those games were both at home. You'd beaten LaRoche the night before, and we talk about it. You put up a lot of points. Uh, you're averaging about, I think it was 86 uh, 87 points a game. And you've got several 100-point games. You have a number of 90-point games in here. Um, what, what's been the secret to the sauce, as it were? Well, you know, I'd love to say that we, we take a lot of pride in defending to get stops. But, you know, <laughs> when you look at some of our scores, you know, we, we do give up points. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, obviously an area of concern. But um, there's no question. We have, some, we have some guys that can really get out and go with the ball. And our bigs run the floor exceptionally well. And um, you know, we, we shoot the three quickly, uh, sometimes a little too quick. But, um, you know, when you can get points, we like to say we're exploring the score in transition. That's kind of our theme. Uh, we don't pass too many things up. If we can take it to the rim, that's something we're going to do. If we can make the extra pass and find a shooter on the arc, we're not going to be shy about that. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll worry about some other things later. But if we can score quickly, that's kind of the way we like to play. Is it a specific style that you're trying to emulate? Is it is it a multiple different versions that you've seen out there? We had Roanoke on the show. I think sure. if I remember, Paige Moyer talked about the VMI system. Of course, everyone knows the Grinnell system. We know we're, you're not necessarily running that, but are, are you out there trying to, to take a, a page from a couple different books with this offense? I don't know if we originally had tried to do that. I mean, um, you know, um, I think we really try to share the ball. Um, you know, I, I, one of the first things I look at after the game in the stack column is how many assists did we have. And if we're not sharing the ball, we're not making those extra passes. We're not finding the open man. And obviously on Sunday we didn't do that very well and, and paid the ultimate price for the loss. But, you know, I think when we are sharing the ball, that tells me that the ball's getting up the floor pretty quickly. Uh, we really don't have anybody specifically we mimic uh, we just kind of call it the Hilbert way. You know, we're going to get a stop. We're going to we're going to be the aggressors on the defensive end and try to clean the glass. And you know, we'll outlet outlet to the right, or or maybe we'll go right to the uh, I should say the other side. And we're just filling lanes and and pushing up the floor as quickly as we can. Um, we've got some pretty talented big guys that run the floor very very well, and they're getting rewarded for that. And for them, you know, they get to uh, relive some glory days and handle the ball a little bit in traffic and. Um, I think they enjoy that. Uh, 15 assists per game, certainly not too shabby. Um, what also is interesting, though, is your field goal percentage. It ranks 13th best in the nation. Uh, you guys are shooting about 49% from the floor. I mean, that's just an unheard of number when it comes to a whole team's offense. you got guys who are shooting in the 60s, uh, guys who are shooting in the 50s, and obviously guys shooting in the 40s. So that extra pass or whatever you guys are doing on offense is clearly giving you either really open looks or really good locations for shots. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it's we have good guard play. I think, uh, you know, the foundation of, of what we've been able to do over the last few years has really started with some quality, quality guard play. You know, guys that, you know, can really handle the ball, but, you know, uh, maybe they're a little undersized uh, for some programs. But for us, you know, if we can find guys that are quick, that can really – you know, handle the ball and use the pick and roll play, um, get the ball up the floor, and and you know we have we have size inside, and those guys need to be rewarded. Um, we do try to play an inside out type of punch, and 
you know, we have a, uh, a senior right now named Jeremy Owens who, you know, on most nights uh, is, is pretty darn good going for, uh, you know, pretty close to a double-double uh, on any given night. Um, but, you know, if people are going to focus in on him, you know, we can surround the perimeter with lots of guys that can either, you know, slash to the rim or, or find themselves, uh, you know, wide open on an inside-out touch that, you know, gives us the clean looks at the rim, and we're making them. Um, we've been fortunate, Dave, to play a lot of games at home right now. And, of course, uh, now that we're getting into the back half of the year, you know, we do have some huge road games coming up, and the challenges will be there. And you talk about Jeremy Owens. He's shooting 61.5%, which is ridiculous. It's 24th best in the country. Um, doesn't take a lot of threes, which is probably good. He's over three. Uh, but if you're going to foul him, he's nearly an 80% free throw shooter. Of course, you mentioned his uh, nearly double-double. He's averaging nearly 17 points a game and nine rebounds. Hands out two and a half assists a game. He's got nearly two and a half steals in a game. He certainly seems he's one of the four seniors on the squad to be the catalyst. Obviously, there's other guys there. But what does Owens bring to the table, especially with that shooting percentage um, that you guys have been able to take advantage of? You know, he's really grown as a player over the four years. I think, you know, when he first got here um, as a freshman, he was uh, a little a little tentative. He's, he's grown up a lot. He's matured a lot. Um, he's become an aggressive player on both ends of the floor. You know, Dave, he already, <clears throat> excuse me, he already has become the college's all-time leader in rebounds. He's, um, he's the all-time leader in block shots, and I would say in the next week or so, he might become the all-time leader in steals. So, you know, I, I remember when we got him here and, you know, he was so excited to, uh, you know, to really be a college-level player. And, you know, he would ask all the right questions. And we tried to really enforce with him that he's got to be a well-rounded guy if he's going to help right away. And he bought in immediately. Um, you know, he's not just a scorer. He's not just, you know, a banger or a screen guy. He he can do a lot of things. And, you know, uh, contrary to the 0-3 mark from the arc, uh, you know, he certainly can shoot the ball from the perimeter. He's done that for us. Um, I think he's really being selective this year, and uh, we're having we're having success with him playing as well as he is. Yeah, it certainly is impressive. Don't want to forget the rest of the team. Uh, second on the team at nearly 15 points a game, five rebounds a game, three assists a game, shooting 54. Uh, percent I'm probably going to say his last name wrong, so I apologize now. Sean uh, Wiesensall. You were close. It's Wiesensall. Wiesensall. Ah. Yep, you're absolutely right. He's. Uh, you know, he does a little bit of everything for us, handles the ball, um, you know, very quick in the open floor. He's one of our guys that, you know, if we feel we can get a stop and we can get the ball to him up the sideline, you know, he's, he's pretty good, pretty good attacking the rim. He's, um, he's a crafty player. He plays well without it, which I think is a lost art these days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have to ask him to be a one-on-one guy. A lot of the, a lot of the touches he gets are simply because he's worked uh, away from the ball to, to receive it in, the, in scoring position. Um, what's interesting is I went with the E and he goes with the I, so we'll learn that down the road. Uh, Jalen Smith, the other guy in double digits, uh, in points, 13 points a game, two rebounds a game, an assist and a half a game. Of course, he's your biggest outside threat at 38 plus percent, uh, 32 of 83 on the season. And there's plenty of other guys here, Kirkland, Adi, uh, Ryan Brandt, uh, Malik McCoy, you know, all eight points a game. And we could go through the whole roster of other guys. Who are contributing? But what I find interesting is this for this this senior class has been very, very successful at Hilbert. Uh, in their three years leading up to this, second most wins in the entire state of New York in Division Three, um, behind Plattsburgh. They're continuing to continuing that this season. This coach, uh, this team's going to go down, or this senior class, I should say, 
going to go down with with some of the best that have ever played at Hilbert. Yeah, you're absolutely right, <clears throat> Dave. They've, um, you know, they're they're big competitors, and um, you know, some of the guys that we've graduated uh, prior to this group really set the tone. Um, Trevor Stark, who was a a great player for us, two-time All-Conference guy. The last couple of years, he's playing over in Israel right now. Uh, we had uh, Danny McFarland, who was a local product, you know, score over 1,500 points, and he was part of the class. I think that really got us on the map. Um, you know, I don't want to go through the whole uh, list of alums, but <laughs> you know, th- this group right here has learned <clears throat> from some very good players and, and good people that were, you know, in their shoes uh, a few years ago. So. We really didn't rush any of them. You know, they've they've learned the right way and they've been patient. Um, any young guy coming in wants to, you know, wants to play big minutes and, and obviously have the ball in their hands a lot. But we really haven't had to, uh, you know, to put somebody in a situation where we've required them to be the man right away. And you know, when you get a chance to learn like that, uh, you know, I, I think it does help make your your program a little bit more well-rounded. And you appreciate all the other things that go with it. And and our guys have all done that, and they're certainly being rewarded for it now. Um, talking to Coach uh, Rob DeCrampree of Hilbert. Uh, team is certainly having a great season, and they've had four great seasons. And, Coach, that's what I'm the most curious about is this is a squad that has played really good basketball these four years, kind of brought you guys out of a bit of a funk. Uh, you know, middle of your career there, you guys kind of fell off the radar, as it were, and you've been slowly building back. But it's been nothing but 21 seasons under this group. Um, but you've yet to break through, you know, to win the conference and get to the NCAA tournament and, and really make an impact. Is there is there a little bit of pressure on this year? I think there's um, – we try not to use the word pressure, but, you know, we talk about it as the ultimate goal. And, you know, nobody is going to uh, – in our league especially, nobody's going to come to our place or, or let us walk into their place and roll over so we can pick up a win. We have to work. Um, you know, I, I think our league and, and looking at, uh, you know, the loss we, we had over the weekend, I mean, Penn State Altoona has been in some nail biters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State Baron right down to the wire uh, recently, and I think it was six out of the last seven games. They've been right in it until the end. And, um, you know, you really have to come to play. And for our guys, it's about coming in every day and understanding that. And certainly if you don't do those things, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, our guys, these veteran guys, they've been to that conference championship game, and they want more. And I think, uh, you know, the writing's on the wall. If, if you want to get there, you've got to put yourself in position. And certainly with us, it's taking care of business within the league. The ultimate goal is to win the regular season title so you can host the tournament. And we feel like if, if we're in the tournament, you know, watch out. You know, we're usually playing our best basketball right at the end of February. You do have to get through the beast that is Barron. Uh, they're the That's ones right. who have been kind of the class of this, of this conference and have represented in the NCAA tournament the conference. Um, you know, you guys keep getting in, you know, running into them, obviously in conference play, but then running into them in tournament play. You, you've got a, as we speak, a half game lead on them, obviously games to play between now and when this airs. Um, what, what do you need to do to, to get past Barron? What, what, what is this the year to do it? Maybe is the better question. I think that's a great question. And, and I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, if, if we're going to be successful, we need to get through Penn State, Barron. We need to get through Pitt Greensburg, yeah. um, another team we haven't played yet. This, uh, we'll go there this weekend. That's a tough trip. And um, they're playing some good basketball right now. And um, another, another group of, of uh, players that have been together for a long time. So they're, you know, a senior-led group, and, and they know how to play in big games. Uh, they've been, you know, in our league tournament the last couple of years and, and uh, as we get closer to March. And, Never an easy game, um, you know, with Greensburg. But 
you know, again, I think we've got some guys that have played in big games and they understand the magnitude. And, you know, it's, it's kind of our, it's kind of our time right now to, to really put our money, you know, where, you know, where, where we, where our mouth is and, mm-hmm. and, and go out and finish these games. Um, you know, we have some goals, obviously we, we try to reiterate those goals for each game. And when we feel, when we meet those goals, we feel pretty confident that we're going to be on the, on the happy end of a, of an outcome. And, you know, we've obviously been able to do that 11 times this year. Um, you learn from every experience, and we watch a lot of film on the things that go well and the things that don't go well, and you try to fix those mistakes so next time around you're ready to go. You obviously play a lot of games in conference. Um, it's a yep. big conference. Um, so you don't have a lot of games out of conference, but I notice you kind of stay local with your out of conference. You don't tend to do a lot of travel. Is that by design? I mean, are you just re- resigned to the fact that you know this conference is a one-bid conference and probably not going to get a second bid? Um, so there's no point in worrying about your SOS and scheduling accordingly, or is it just a matter of that's just the, what you have to, to play with in terms of budget, in terms of mentality on a campus, et cetera, and, and you just play within the guidelines? You know, for the most part, uh, it's a little bit of both, Dave. You know, I think uh, at the end of the day, we know that, you know, if we're going to play in the March, we've, we've got to win the conference tournament. It, yeah. was, it was a couple of years ago, LaRoche uh, out of Pittsburgh and, and Penn State, I'm sorry, Penn State Baron. You know, uh, both both got in. Um, you know, we had an at-large bid there, which was great, great for the league. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, you know, you, you got to win that conference tournament. And uh, you know, for us, at least, a seven seven non-conference games. We do have our own tip-off tournament uh, in early November. We've we've tried to schedule out a little bit uh, tougher with that. We had John Carroll here last year. We're hoping to have Mount Union next year. Uh, both Great Lakes teams and. This year we had RPI come in out of the Liberty League, which was uh, a good opponent for us. Had an early win over Middlebury. Um, you know, it's it's you know we are who we are. Um, I don't think we're traveling down south, uh, you know, to play in a, a big holiday tournament. I don't think that's in the cards for us. But you know, we're going to try to snoop around our own backyard and find out, you know, who's going to give us a great challenge and you know who's going to you know who's going to want to play and and uh, and compete. And I think we've been a little selective with that, but. You know, we had this problem a couple of years ago. We're, we're also finding that it's it's getting harder to schedule when you're having success. Sure. And, uh, you, know, um, you know, we might have to take our show on the road, uh, as they say, and, and, and go find a tournament or something early in the year that, you know, that might present a big challenge but also help our SOS. That's certainly something that we're looking at. And when you look at this region, you guys are obviously on the furthest east side of the Great Lakes region as the AMCC has been in the Great Lakes now for a couple of years. Obviously, different than it was when you were sitting in the east. How, you know, how do you how do you measure yourself against the Great Lakes region? You know, I I look at uh, you know the top twenty five right now, and I I was counting them out. You know, there's Hope, <laughs> there's John Carroll, Ohio Wesley, and I'm, I'm probably forgetting somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mount Union, of course, just got in the top twenty, and uh, Marietta's been there the last few years. I mean, it is a it is a tough region. There's no question. It is it is a very tough region you know the the ohio schools the michigan schools and, and obviously what's here in western pennsylvania you know tough tough land to go through if you want to crack that uh that top 25 and get into your regional rankings and um you know uh, i think year in and year out our, our region is is one of the toughest ones out there um you know there was a time that we used to be in the east region and yeah you know, then, then we'd go through the St. John Fishers or the U of R, um, <laughs> and I'm probably forgetting somebody. Um, you know, Skidmore was darn good last year, and mm-hmm. um, you look at the schools in the Liberty League and the Empire Eight, and you know, now we're competing with those schools. Uh, we're, I think, we're certainly able to compete with some some teams out of the SUNYAC and 
Um, even teams out of the Empire Eight and the Liberty League, we've done that before. Um, you know, we're trying to find more teams that would be out of the Great Lakes region. We've played teams out of the President's Athletic Conference, and you know, hopefully, we'll get uh, you know some more challenges in the years coming up as we continue to to grow and um, you know head head more towards the West, I should say. Well, I wish you all the luck the rest of this season. Obviously, big games ahead. You mentioned Greensburg and Barron; those are two of the big ones coming up on the schedule. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Hoopsville. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? You know, Dave, I, I certainly appreciate you having me on the show. We're uh, we're happy to be where we are right now. I know uh, everybody in our league is, you know, buckling down as we as we head into uh, you know the middle part of January. Here, it's going to be a great run of the finish and. Um, everybody wants to stay healthy, and uh, at least up here in the in the northwestern part of the state, we want to stay away from the snow. So we're uh, <laughs> keeping our fingers crossed that uh, we get our games in and, and keep playing at the level we're playing at. And um, I'll say good luck to everybody out there as we, you know, head towards the second half of the year. Yeah, good call. The weather can always play a it can be a whole other factor and a whole other opponent uh, this time of year. Well, thanks so much, Coach. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. Rob DeGrandpre joining us here on Hoopsville again, Hilbert. 11 and 2 overall uh, as we speak, 6 and 1 in conference. Uh, between now and when this airs, they will have played Alfred State at home. But the big games coming up Pitt, Greensburg, and Penn State Barron coming up uh, the 16th and 18th of January. Those are the games to watch. We'll see how the Hawks do going through those two. Obviously, they'll repeat, uh, at least with Barron and Greensburg coming up in February as well. We're going to take another break. When we come back, more Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios. Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division three school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics, you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. If you'd like to interact with us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, it all scrolls at the bottom of your screen. Uh, lots of ways to interact with us. We certainly hope you're enjoying the show. Obviously, a pre-taped show, so some of our guests, our timing with them per games is a little off, so forgive us if we don't talk too much specifics or if we say one thing and the results of the week are completely different, 
Uh, we are taping these when I'm able to before I hit the road to head off to San Antonio, Texas for the NCAA convention and some Division Three basketball games, um, And but before the show can hit the air. So obviously we are here in the studios right now uh, recording these. We uh, appreciate your patience. After this, we should be live almost every show to the end of the season, barring any changes or maybe one or two other taped ones in the future, uh, depending on travel schedules. We'll play that all by year. Just got done talking Great Lakes men's basketball. Of course, we were in New York State, so we figured we might as well stay with the state, but change the region and change from men's to women's basketball. And there's a lot to talk about in women's basketball, especially in the East region. You know, we could talk NYU down in down in New York City, and trust me, we eventually will talk uh, to the to the NYU NYU squad. But we wanted to kind of keep it up in the upstate central part of the region and, and talk Empire 8 basketball because it's a fascinating race in the Empire 8. When we talk, Stevens is on top, undefeated, ahead of St. John Fisher, mainly based on the fact that Stevens has played more games than St. John Fisher. Uh, Ithaca is lurking, as they always are, but interestingly with just a 6-6 six and six overall record. But it's the team behind Ithaca in the standings, as I record this, that caught my, caught my attention. It's Nazareth, 9-3, as I look at this overall, 2-1 and one in conference play. They play two games after I have this conversation. So appreciate that that could change. But still, heck of a start. And with a brand new head coach. Of course, she knows the program just a little bit. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Kelly Dunn. She's the head coach for Nazareth and an alum. We'll talk about all of that coming up. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Pretty good. Good. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to Nazareth, or Thank again, you. we should say, <laughs> uh, 2010 graduate. We'll talk about the the significance of that overall. But let's let's talk about this program, a, a team that's not so far removed from a nine and sixteen or a ten and fifteen campaign in the last few years. Granted, last year, fifteen and eleven. This year, out of the gates at the midway point, nine and three overall as you and I speak. Again, two games this week against Houghton and. Uh, St. John Fisher that are going to take place before anybody listens to this interview or about when everybody listens to this, so things could change. But still, this is a great midway point for this program. Yes, yes, it is. Let's hope, let's hope that it's 4-1 and one when this airs. There you go. Let's hope. There we go. Yeah. For conference, for conference. Um, yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great start so far. Um, the team has just been, they've blown me away, honestly. And, and obviously being an alum um, of this program, I, I followed them uh, throughout the years. And it, it's such a treat to be able to coach such uh, great young women, um, some who, who I recruited myself at my previous institution. <laughs> uh, so it's nice, it's nice that, you know, when I got the job, there's some familiar faces as well. Let's back up a little bit and talk about the transition to coming to Nazareth. You had been at Brockport for three years uh, yep. End of last year, after what it was about, I don't remember how long the coach had been there, rel- relieved of their duties, and you took over on an interim status. Granted, no games to coach. It was more paperwork, more official type stuff, so the recruiting could be uh, unaffected. The players had someone to come to, et cetera. Job Correct. opened up, but so did the Nazareth job. They probably put you in an interesting position. Yeah, I mean, to be able to coach at your alma mater, I think um, – if you ask anyone, anyone in the coaching world, or even if they're not in the coaching world, it's probably pretty high up on anyone's list. Um, You know, I I loved my four years here at NAS. Um, You know, my my family is 
about as Nazareth as they come. Um, <laughs> my my oldest brother uh, graduated from here and was a four-year basketball player. Um, my second oldest brother uh, was supposed to come here as well, but suffered a, uh, a spinal cord injury mm. his senior year of high school. But he was going to come play here for Coach Daly as well. Um, so obviously being familiar with the school, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that's where I wanted to come once they, you know, started recruiting me here. Um, and being from Long Island, I stayed in the Rochester area and about five minutes from Naz. So, yeah, we can't get any more Nazareth. It, it, um, it provides me a, a question, though. Uh, you're from Long Island. I mean, Rochester? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about completely going to the opposites in, in some ways I here. I know. I know. You know, my oldest brother graduated. He stayed here, and that was a big reason why, you know, I chose Naz. Being about six and a half hours away, it was nice to have a familiar face and just someone that, you know, was home to me about six and a half hours away. But, you know, I love Rochester. I absolutely yeah. do. There, it, it honestly, you're going to laugh when I say this, considering the intro you just gave it, but it reminds me a lot <laughs> of Long Island. It does. It has, okay. it, it has its similarities. Um, you know, it's got, it's got a big city, but also, you know, cute little suburb towns around it. The village of Pittsburgh, it reminds me a lot of my hometown, Northport. Um, Northport's right on the water, has a nice main street, a lot of little shops um, that are, you know, mom-and-pop shops, but also has commercialization around it as well. Um, you know, obviously I miss the ocean. <laughs> I, miss <New> York, <laughs> I miss New York City. Um, but you know what? There's great lakes around here, uh, all the Finger Lakes. Um, so I get a little bit of a taste of that. Um, and you know what? It's only a 45-minute plane ride on JetBlue to get to, to get to my hometown and see friends and family and get all the little things that I miss, like the pizza and the egg sandwiches yeah. and the bagels. But, and the seafood. Um, and, and Siva, but you know what? Rochester's great. There's there's plenty of good places to eat. Um, tons of shopping. Uh, all my 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 whole family is here now. Um, so that's the other perk that I have that you know that I missed uh, in the past couple of years. That was a big reason why you know I miss Long Island the most. But they're all here now. Um, so it's really just visiting friends and 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 cousins and things like that on Long Island. But Rochester's been good to me and my family, and and I love it here. Well, let's be honest. You also don't have to deal with the traffic uh, that is. Those are the New York City Metroplex Correct. and Long Island. Yes. So when I go home, I'm like, how did I deal with yeah. this for so long? <laughs> I don't blame you. That part I wouldn't miss to save my life either. So I know. Um, of course, you pick up this job in May, um, yep. and you picked up one heck of a team to go along with it, including Lindsey Kelly, yep. who I think started the season with about 1,100 points in her career, if I have the right person and the right and, name. Yes. Yep. And she's only, I mean, she's only added another 200 already this season. She's going to probably close in on 1,500 by the time this season is over, averaging 18.5 points a game, averaging nine rebounds a game. Shoots yep. 64% from the floor. Yeah. I mean, and then if you're going to foul her, good luck. She hits 80, 80, 81% from the free throw line as well. Yep. Just her alone makes you guys a dangerous squad. It does. And you know what makes it even better, Dave, is she's a great kid, too. And and I say that uh, I really am lucky in terms of the, the team that I inherited, um, not just basketball-wise, but um, just their personalities and their work ethic. Um, you know, Lindsay is... Usually the first one here on the court, she's getting extra shots up almost every single day. She actually just left my office uh, getting the keys for the, for the hoops and the balls uh, for pregame. Um, 
she's constantly in the gym. She's constantly wanting to work harder, um, you know, asking to watch film, um, asking for, you know, just tips that she's asking my assistant to come in here and, and bang her with the pad a couple times so she's so she can get that percentage up even more. Um, she's got great hands. Um, it, it helps, too, that we have great guards right now to, to feed her the ball. Um, what I love about Lindsay, too, is we actually have to yell at her and get on her in practice and in games to be more selfish. Mm. Um, you know, she, she'll catch the ball in the paint, and she can go up with it, and she's passing it out to, for a three, which, which we love, but at the same time, sure. we'd love to get a, an easy two-point layup sure. conversion. Um, so that's just the type of person she is. She's a team player. She's easy to coach, um, and she's constantly wanting to work to get better. She's seventh in the country in field goal percentage, which doesn't surprise you when it's 64%. She's top no. 50 in points per game at 18 and a half, um, and, and certainly other categories. But she's not the only one who's getting some national attention and for what they're doing. By the way, field goals made, she's 29th in the, in the country as well. Um, but 12th best in the country in three-point field goal percentage is Sam Sorge. Uh, at 45%. I hope I said Sam's last name correctly. You did. Yeah, um, you did. Good. <laughs> Julia Brew, by the way, is 40th best in the same category. Assist to turnover ratio. Veronica Peck is 11th best at a 2.88 assist to turnover ratio. Um, Julia Brew is in the top 103 point field goals made. Uh, Sam is 110th. You go, to, you go to the team, you're fourth best in free throw percentage as a team. At 78%. Three-point field goals per game, you're ninth best in the country at eight and a half a game and 16th best in shooting percentage. This is just statistically, assists per game, 21st in the country, uh, 15th in the country in three-point three field goals made. Just statistically, this team's got a ton of weapons. We do, and and that's the nice thing with having someone like Lindsay. You know, obviously, our, our, a lot of times our game plan is look to go her, go to her. But the nice thing with her is she is so unselfish, and she's a good passer too. Um, that we have so many threats along the perimeter um, that free up. It just such easy shots for them when you have someone like her down there and such a presence down there. You know, one of my big things to tell her is sometimes I think she can she can post a little bit harder and she could be a little bit more physical down there in the paint and. She's been doing that a lot more, and I tell her, you know, not saying you're going to score every single time or you're going to get the ball every time, but you have such good three-point shooters around you um, and good basketball players around you that it will just free them up as well, and I think she's really buying into that. Um, You know, every single girl that you just mentioned, everything I said about Lindsay, the same thing goes for them. They're constantly getting extra shots up, and I think that's been helping their shooting percentage and and helping their confidence as well. Uh, Julia actually just broke our – school record for threes in a game hmm. she hit eight threes in a game uh last week of and, course she did yeah and I, our team broke the school record that same game for for threes in a game as a team uh which were 15 um so we've been doing really good things veronica uh, ronnie peck she's she's just the, the point guard and the player that you want on your team every single year she is a yes coach player um she she buys in a hundred percent and gets everyone else to buy in as well um and she's just your commander out there you know she finally had a really good breakout game offensively this past weekend um but before that she was more so getting her teammates involved which which that's what you want in, in a point guard and a senior point guard um but it was nice to see her to finally get her own points as well which i know she can but sometimes she takes a step back and gets everyone else involved as well um it's funny you bring up the free throw percentage we actually just had our uh 
little team shoot around and, and scout, and I actually gave them that stat, that stat hmm. that in that we were top in free throw percentage. But I gave them a second stat too that we are close to last in free throw attempts, <laughs> and that is something that I've been getting that I've been getting on them for so long that we are such a good free throw shooting team. We 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 focus a lot on that in practice, and you know we do a lot of pressure situations in terms for free throws, which I think help them. Um, but Sometimes we're we're willing to settle for those those threes or those jumpers rather than get to the free throw line and get an easy two points when you're shooting so well from free throw. So I'm I'm happy that you brought that part up so I can let them know I'm not the only one that's looking at it. Well, it's one of those where you attack the rim will sometimes get you more points than sitting back uh, if you're shooting that well. It's it's a right. it's a double edged sword sometimes. But you talk about Sam Swords. We talked about her 15 points a game, five rebounds a game. Uh, Julia Brew 11 points a game, five and a half rebounds a game. Um, Veronica Peck, 10 points a game, roughly. She's at 9.6, three rebounds a game. But we talked about her assist-to-turnover ratio. Hard numbers, 49 assists to 17 turnovers. Yeah, uh, I re- mean. Ridiculous. That's what, oh God, that's what I said. I mean, with her, even there was one, uh, our Ithaca game, she didn't have the great offensive, you know, she. I think she went over. But you know what? I, t- I brought her in the next day, and I said, I-, I don't care about that at all. You play basically the entire game against a very good team who play really good defense, and you, you had zero turnovers. And the ball is in your hand the majority of the time of the game. Yeah. Um, the fact that she can do that and consistently stay in the top for assisted turnover um, just shows the type of player she is. And I wanted to bring up Samantha Peoples, five points a game, five, nearly five rebounds a game, but near, over two-and-a-half assists, or about two-and-a-half assists a game on top of that. You've got all these different weapons. And, of course, you come in and you take over a pretty senior Laden squad, I think a uh, quick count, six seniors, seven seniors. Seven on, seniors, yeah. yeah. We have uh, three of them being uh, four-year players. Uh, Colby McCartney, Ronnie Peck, and Lindsey Kelly were all four-year players. The rest were um, two or one, two or three-year players. Whether they transferred in, sure. um, one of my players who's a senior, she's actually just a one-year player. She's here. Um, she's a fi- uh, from Finland, and so she's here for a nursing exchange program. That's just a hmm. one-year program. Okay. Yep. So she was a nice addition this year. It's nice to have her. She adds a little bit of size to our. Uh, to our roster, she missed the, a couple the last couple games because um, she was in Finland for the holidays. Uh, you know, she doesn't get to go home that much, but no. she's here. Well, what's interesting is you see this roster and you see the talents uh, that we've all talked about, especially the Lindsey Kellys of this team. You're a first year coach with this program, and overall, technically, um, it's an interesting balance. It feels like there's pressure to achieve this year, and you are. Um, because you've got this great talent, and clearly Nazareth wants to move in that direction of improving the squad. They bring you in. Do you feel any pressure that this is a year to take advantage of? Um, you know, I do, but at the same time, um, I, I, I don't feel too much pressure in that. I really believe in my players. I believe in my girls. Um, like I said, they, they all, from day one, you could tell they were just a group that wanted to work hard and they wanted to win. Um, and no matter what I've thrown at them so far, they've all bought in. And whether it's a new offense, a completely new defense, um, they haven't kind of sat on that and said, well, you know, that hasn't what it used to be or what I'm used to from high school or from other coaches. It was like, okay, this is the way we're going. And we really believe that if we can do this and do the little things that coaches preaching to us, we definitely have a chance to be the top in our conference. 
um, I think there's never been a doubt in, in my mind or, or their minds that that can definitely be accomplished. But we have to do some of the little things, um, you know, whether it's working on kind of back to basics, you know, back to basics basketball. We, we put in an offense that's kind of like just a throwback offense. It's, you know, screen and roll or screen and pop and have a replacer and hit the replacer, look for high-low. And it's, it's just kind of a throwback offense that you, you probably ran from when you were a little, a little girl. But um, rather than, you know, putting in a, a million sets and having to remember them, mm-hmm. and, and I think they really, really liked that. And the defense is a little different um, from what they're used to, and, and they've really bought in no matter what. Um, so, yeah, I think there's pressure to do well and do better than they did last year, which was uh, 15 and 11. But I think also we all believe in one another that so the pressure kind of goes down a little bit. Um, talking with Kelly Dunn here, Nazareth head coach, first-year head coach uh, of the Golden Eagles, and, of course, she's also – Golden Flyers, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, she's also an alum. We'll talk about being an alum here in a moment, but let's quickly talk about uh, the rest of this season uh, obviously, two games between when you and I talk and when this airs. We apologize for that, folks. It's just bad timing. But uh, you'd still uh, obviously St. John Fisher is one of those two games. The second one, that's a big one. It's at home. You then uh, have another home game next Tuesday against Hartwick to wrap up a three-game stretch before yep. you'll hit the road. You'll have to travel to Stevens, which is a long haul. You yeah. do have Utica, which is relatively nearby. I say relatively. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's certainly closer than Stevens. Yeah, um, it's on the way back from Stevens exactly, the same weekend. So pretty much. Somehow, so it's like somehow. get all the way to Stevens and then work your way halfway back right. on play a game. But what I want, what I see most importantly, obviously besides the St. John Fisher game coming up, which is big, and the Stevens game, which will be huge, you finish the season with four, including a game against Stevens. And, and while I know coaches look at game to game, and I know they're not looking that far in advance, how much, how important is it going to be, though, to be in a good position near the top of this conference, to be able to use those four games at home to your advantage? It's going to be really important. I mean, the two games that we're coming off right now that it were two wins, you know, we really stressed that we needed to win those two games. Sure. Um, road games are big. <laughs> right, especially being road games, and that's kind of what we focused on. You know, these two road games where we came off of a pretty bad loss to Ithaca on the road, these two games were 100% needed. And, um, you know, we, came, we were able to come away with those with a win, but, you know, I kept stressing the fact that they were road games. So the fact that we can end the season – with four home games on our, our home floor, which we always get a good crowd. Um, the students are always really into it. We have great family that come and friends and fans. Um, the fact that, you know, if, if we are in any sort of position where we're fighting for that, you know, fourth spot, I think it will really, really help us in terms of getting that. Um, I hope that, you know, come time when, when those games come up that, there's nothing that we have to fight for, that we're already in. We should take care of business before those games, and those games should just be nice caps off to, to start playoffs. Let's talk about this alumni thing. Uh, you are a four-year starter at Nazareth. You are yeah. the career leader in about four categories, which granted there's some players on this team that could break those records. Um, <laughs> but, what, you know, and, and by the way, we're about to show a picture of you playing and you coaching side-by-side. Oh, I know you can't see it, but you will see it eventually. Uh, you've got the same look in your face, that determination, but it looks like in the coaching picture, you are dying to get back out on the court to some degree. Um, what's it like though, to now be playing on the floor that, or coaching, I should say on the floor you used to play on. And furthermore, 
leading a squad to such a successful season in your first year? Um, it's honestly surreal. Uh, being back at NAS coaching um, is, is awesome. I, I can't even explain it, really. Um, you know, a lot of the same coaches are still here from when I was here, a lot of the same professors. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know, haven't same... been gone that long, Coach. No, you graduated no. in 2010. I know. <laughs> I know, but this is a lot <laughs> It yes. says a lot about the school. People come here and they stay here. Sure. Um, you know, they're not looking to leave, and it says a lot about the, the community here at NAS. Um, you know, all the, the other coaches are at your games cheering you on, and they're encouraging their student-athletes to come there, and that's how it was when I was here, and that's why I liked it. It's a small-knit community that have each other's back, and especially in the athletics, um, in the athletics department. Um, you know, the fact that we still have the same announcer that announced my games, and he still <laughs> plays the same music that pumped me up as a player that are now <laughs> pumping me up as a coach. Um, you know, we just had our floor redone yeah. uh, this summer, and, and it looks awesome. It looks, it, it, looks, it looks really good. It really makes the gym uh, just kind of brighten up and, and, and really yep. click with everything else. Um, it's honestly just totally surreal that that I'm coaching uh, here at the same gym, same same school as playing here. Like I said earlier, I absolutely loved my four years here um, as an athlete, as a student. Uh, great relationships with every single one of my professors. Um, you know, built great friendships with whether they were on the basketball team or not. Um, so it's nice to be able to come back and then invite other people back. You know, yeah. invite those girls that I played with or invite those friends of mine that, you know, maybe were on the lacrosse team or the soccer team that are still local, and now they want to come back to NAS to kind of support me and support my team. So it, 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 it's, like I said, I'll say it again, it's, it's surreal because there's no other, there's no other word to describe it. Um, you didn't, I don't think, have super fan Derek Cahill necessarily uh, traveling with you and, and, and cheering you guys on, though, at the same time. <laughs> I shouldn't even call him super fan. He's, he's a budding coach. Um, he is. He comes in my office all the time when he is here, and he's giving me good tips. He, he traveled with us this past weekend. He's, I always say and joke around that there's no way this kid is in high school. Yeah, no. he, he knows more about um, – most things than, than most adults, especially when it comes to basketball. I love bouncing stuff off of him. And actually, he was around when, when I played. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was around. And, you know, it's funny. You know, he lives in Oswego. And yep. so it's funny to hear him uh, sometimes talk about the SUNYAC as well. He'll, he'll call yeah. my brother from time to time and, and talk about the SUNYAC and the men's side. So he's he's all over. He's women's, men's, oh, yeah. SUNYAC, Empire, he knows it all. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if Derek's not deeply involved with the program at some point in his future. He's a good friend of the programs, and uh, and we know he's a good friend of Nazareth's. But you're right; he's about a friend of a, about half another half a dozen other programs up there yeah. uh, as well. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us, have a little fun with us uh, here on the season again. As we're talking, you're nine and three. By the time this airs, you will have at least played one, if not finishing up the second game on the schedule, and obviously plenty more ahead. Uh, and we know uh, we know that purple and gold is flying proud in Rochester right now. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, you know, just keep watching Naz, keep cheering for Naz, rooting us on. I think um, the best is yet to come. You know, we lost we lost a, a good one against Ithaca, um, but yeah. I think, you know, when they come back to our, to our court, it's going to be a little different. We'll shoot a little bit better. Um, I think we have yet to play our best in any of our games. Um, and I think there's some good things to come for us, for sure.
Well, looking forward to it. Certainly uh, fun to watch the Golden Flyers so far. Good luck the rest of the season, Coach, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Dave. Kelly Dunn joining us again from Nazareth. Again, uh, team is playing two between interview and, and air. We apologize. It's just the way things work out sometimes with schedules. We figured we had to take advantage of talking to Nazareth while we had the opportunity. Uh, good to see Kelly with her program. Of course, uh, the program that she led as a player, she's now leading as a coach in her first year. Big games up ahead. Empire 8 race is going to be fun to watch, and we'll keep an eye on it as well. When we come back, we will transition. We'll kind of do a little bit of an East Region report with a team that's more in the Mid-Atlantic, and then we'll transition to the Mid-Atlantic. It's a little complicated. You're going to have to wait for, uh, for us to come back to explain it. You're, you're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoopsville, right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Thursday pre-recorded show. As again, we are out at the national convention for the NCAA and have not had you know, not able to put this show on live. Appreciate all the guests who have come on the show. We still have one more guest to come, but we wanted to throw this little segment into the show. Um, we're kind of transitioning from East to Mid-Atlantic by way of a team who's in the East and the Mid-Atlantic, believe it or not. We're switching from women to men briefly because we're going to talk about the Lancaster Bible Chargers. Team is undefeated on the season at 10-0. Gordon Mann put a great story together at the beginning of the week. Talking about the Chargers, he went out there and visited with them, talking about them charging th towards the top 25. Um, and as a result, they have leapfrogged into the top 25 this week. And congratulations to them, jumping in for the first time ever at the number 22 spot, earning 80 votes, or I should say 80 points from the 25 voters to uh, earn that spot behind Whitman, behind Roanoke, ahead of St. Norbert and Scranton, uh, and ahead of North Central on the CCIW. It's been an incredible uh, uh, a season for them, and it, it continues. Uh, obviously, by the time we hit the air here, they will have, um, well, they won't have played anybody. They're getting ready to play uh, two games this weekend, uh, Casanova and Morrisville State. More about that coming up, but I wanted to play Gordon's interview. You may have caught it uh, on our website. You may not have, and that's kind of the reason we want to air it here. So here's Gordon Mann with head coach Zach Filzen. 
Welcome. This is Gordon Mann from D3Hoops.com as I'm here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania today sitting down with Zach Filzen, the head coach of the Lancaster Bible College Chargers who may be ranked by the time you see this. They're 26th in the country if there was such a thing and uh, a big win today, uh, an easy win today over Penn State Abington by 48 points, I think 108 to 60. Uh, Coach, first off, are you surprised about your undefeated record at this point? First year head coach, new conference, new region. How surprised are you? Honestly, not really, and and that's because I knew the talent that was coming back, uh, the talent that we were gonna, we were bringing in. We brought in a couple of pieces. We were able to convince a couple of players to play that weren't planning on it. So I knew that was kind of going to lead to a perfect storm. But I, I thought we could be really, really good. I knew um, obviously the Messiah tournament was going to be a challenge where we played F and M and Messiah. So I wasn't sure if we get through it with the win, but I, I'm I'm pleased. I, I think we're playing pretty well, and we, we still have a long way to go. But I'm excited about where we're at. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm writing the front page story and I'm flipping through the scores and I see this Franklin and Marshall Lancaster Bible score and I think, ah, someone put it in backwards. Yeah. <laughs> or someone got it wrong. So I'm checking all the web pages and I see, no, that's right. Lancaster Bible beats Franklin and Marshall. Today, Glenn Robinson is going for his 900th win. So those who follow the uh, uh, Division Three certainly know about their success. I got to imagine that's your biggest win of the season today. Is that the best you've played? It was a huge win. I mean, it was a huge win for our program, for the school, I think. It got LBC, Lancaster Bible College, out there a little bit so more people know about us. Uh, so it was, it was a huge win. I'm not going to deny that. They have a heck of a program. Uh, Coach Robinson's had a heck of a lot of success. Uh, respect what they've done and, and, and definitely a program we can look up to. Uh, so as far as the biggest, yeah, I would say it's the biggest. Um, I think we've played we, – there's glimpses we've played just as well. Uh, I think we've played better at times, and we're just continuing to try to just take steps in the right direction. So I'd say we played obviously very, very well against them, but we still have a long way to go. Now you and I were talking about different conferences. For folks who don't know, Lancaster Bible is in the Northeast Athletic Conference, the NEAC. It's a big conference. It's got 13 teams. It'll have 14 next year when St. Elizabeth adds its men's program. It's a big conference geographically. It goes from Gallaudet and Washington, D.C. up to – the Buffalo region where you played your college basketball. And it's a very condensed schedule. You guys play, I think, it looks like almost every other day once you get in to the conference schedule. You, you, you play everybody. You play a lot of games. You play a lot of them you know, pretty well after the holidays. How does that affect you guys as you prepare knowing – I mean, it's almost like an NBA schedule. This is this is not college football. You're not playing once a week. Yep. We were fortunate enough to have some time that we're just finishing now where we had one game a week and we were able to shore up some stuff and really improve and coming off Christmas and some time to, to have a lot of practice. So I think our my guys, I think us as a team, we're ready to play a lot of games. Right. It's time. It's, it's time to get after it, compete a little bit. So I think we're, we're excited for it. We're, we're ready for it. Obviously, it's a ton of games in a short amount of time, right. which means we got to keep them rested. we got to find ways to uh, keep them fresh and continue just to, to get after it. But, they're, I mean, they're players. It's a player's dream. That many games and that many days, they're excited about it. They're young. So I think we'll, I think we'll be all right. The other unique thing about LBC is, and I know you weren't here last year, but last year the team loses in the finals and the conference finals, doesn't go to the NCAA tournament. So they actually go into another tournament, the NCCAA, and win a national championship. I saw the banner when I came into the gymnasium. 
Can you tell folks, because folks are saying, okay, what's the NCCAA? Tell folks what that is and how the dual membership affects the program you build here. Yep. The NCCAA is National Christian College Athletic Association. So in addition to being a Division Three NCAA member, we're also a, now we're Division One uh, NCCAA member, which means if we don't win the tournament championship or um, don't make the NCAA tournament, we have another one if we qualify that we can go to and fall back on. So it's a, it's a great tournament. Uh, a lot of schools are obviously very similar similar to us Christian schools that from around the country that you're able to go play and, and compete against, which I know they're happy that they had the opportunity to keep on playing last right. year. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a great organization. Uh, obviously, to be completely honest, we want to reach the NCAA tournament for right. the first time in our program history, so that's kind of where our mindset is. But it, it is a really good option, too. How do you qualify for that tournament? Do you have to play a certain number of teams from that from the NCCAA, and I know there are a handful, maybe Valley Forge and a couple other in this area who have dual membership, but my sense is that most of them are, you know, Faith Baptist, yeah. Baptist Bible out of Missouri, you know, a mid a lot of schools in the Midwest. So how do you how do you manage to qualify for that tournament? It's not as much teams you play. It's more kind of winning percentage and record. Okay. That's kind of how they figure it out. So it's, it's, that's kind of how you get in. That's how you qualify is by having, I mean, I think 17 wins or 18 wins. I, I got to kind of freshen up on what the qualification is for this year. But that's, I think, what has been in the past. So let's talk a little bit about your team here today. Williams, your point guard, your leading scorer, very smooth stroke, not afraid to shoot from deep. Uh, your team as a whole you really stretch people the whole, you know, the whole distance of the court, and you were taking some threes from the front court of the volleyball. <laughs> if you look at the volleyball yeah. lines, talk a little about Williams and talk about your style of play. So Bryce, uh, Bryce Williams is from Minnesota. Uh, oh, there you go. He, we, I didn't know him before okay. I got the job, but I heard about him. Heard he was kind of looking for a spot, so we were able to uh, kind of recruit him out here and get him out here. And he's had a lot of success before he came out here. I knew what we were getting. Uh, he's a heck of a player, heck of a point guard. Uh, phenomenal shooter, but also a great passer and, and great competitor. So he's a guy that we're thrilled to have. Um, as for our style of play, I've been blessed with some pretty pretty good athletes for this level, uh, for the Division Three level, or really any level, to be honest. And we just kind of were able to create a system uh, based on a lot of different ideas that I've seen from from different people uh, that's fast-paced, that gets up and down, uh, gives guys confidence to shoot if they're open. Right. Uh, sometimes they shoot when they're not open, but <laughs> that sometimes we got to work on that. we got to live, live with that a little bit, too. But... Um, we want to play fast. We want to get up and down. There's a lot of different things we want to do in transition when it comes to secondary options. And then if there's nothing there, we we have spread the floor and, and let guys kind of make plays. Right. Now, Zach Freeman, who's your sports information director here, does a real nice job with the website. And he's got a great quote in your bio that I like. It says, I'm 26, but I've been around basketball for 20 years. So folks in Minnesota may recognize the last name or recognize you, but tell folks a little bit about your background. So I was the son of a coach. Uh, my mom was the coach. She was at Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota. Um, she was she was assistant at the Division One level and a couple other places as well. But that's where the majority of her time as a head coach was, and she had a lot of success there. Uh, one like five. Uh, conference tournament championships, one thing I said, tournament a bunch of times. So she's a very, very good coach. And from the time I was little, from six, seven years old, I was going to practices. Uh, I was recruiting with her. I was sitting on the end of the bench charting stuff for her. I was watching film with her. So despite being uh, now 27, despite being uh, fairly young for, for this profession, I've been around it quite a bit and obviously uh, played college basketball and been around the coach the last couple of years. So I've had a fair amount of experience despite being on the younger side. Now, you're from Minnesota, uh, from Northfield. Uh, you coached in Minnesota last year at Northwestern. Yep. Uh, not the Northwestern in Illinois, the Northwestern in Minnesota. Yep. Tell folks how you found your way here to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
So in the spring of last year, looking at different coaching openings and jobs, and the men's coach there, I was on the women's side, the men's coach, Tim Gross, sure. uh, he he knew or saw that this job opened up, and he knew Pete Beers, the AD here, a little bit, and then Matt Hill, the AD at Northwestern, knew Pete Beers really well too. So they gave him a call on my behalf, uh, was able to kind of get my name in there, go through the, the interview process and have a few conversations, fly out here, and obviously went, went pretty well and thrilled to be out here. It's a great spot. I was you, you scanned through the roster before you come, and I saw Pete Beers' name on the roster. I thought, wait, isn't that? And it is. It's the head coach. How, what's that like having him as an assistant? It's, it's a blast. He, he's been great. He's been and the athletic director. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a funny dynamic. Um, I guess I'm sort of his boss you're, in some situations, and he's, your boss. And he's my boss too. <laughs> so, but he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's been fully supportive. Uh, he compliments me really, really well. We push each other. Uh, he provides good insight, and then, but also trust that that I kind of had the, the final call and make the decisions and it's worked out really well. I'm thrilled to have him. So as you and I are sitting here, there's there's a couple hundred teams in Division Three. There's six on the men's side that are undefeated. There's one that's not ranked, and it's you. <laughs> so as, as, as you guys were walking through the handshake line, I don't know if you heard it, but someone from your student section shouted out, when are we going to be ranked? <laughs> so the answer could be, could be Monday. It could be as this thing airs. Uh, you answered this for your local reporter earlier. What would it mean for you guys to be ranked for this program? I'm not going to lie. It would be a huge honor. It would be something that my, us – um, the coaching staff and the players would be very excited about the school would be excited about just because it'd be the first time it's ever happened. Right. Uh, like I told the other report, there's much higher things we want to accomplish. And the guys realize that they realize being ranked in the grand scheme of things is really not that important, but it would be a huge honor. And we would be really excited about it. I think we have a, uh, for lack of a better word, a resume that, that looks pretty good for that yeah. right now. And I think we have a team that is at that level, but we, we just need to keep on getting better. And ultimately, it's where you finish. It's not where we're ranked in the middle of the year. And, right. and we want to be a team that can, can be dangerous when it comes to March. And last question for you. The biggest game on your schedule may be next Saturday. On the road at Morrisville State, along with, with you guys, one of the better teams in the, in the conference. It's a long trip. How do you prep for that? Well, we got to get ready for Casanova first because obviously sure. in, in – in this, um, at this level of college basketball, anyone can be anyone on any given night. And if we don't come ready to play, uh, it, they could, could beat us too. So we want to just keep on getting better. I think then, obviously, if we were fortunate enough to get, get that win, uh, Morrisville is a big game for uh, kind of home court in the, in the conference tournament down the road and things like that if we're both fortunate enough to get there. Uh, so the biggest thing we got to do is we have, a good, have to have a good week of practice. We got to get better. There's some things even today, uh, even though we, we were able to, to get a good win, that we have to get much better at uh, on the defensive side of the ball, offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, so there's things we want to clean up. Um, then we just got to be ready to travel, got to be focused, got to keep these guys fresh, uh, keep these guys engaged. And, and that's what we're going to try to do is just try to find a way to, to get them so they're ready to go by Friday and Saturday. Lancaster Bible, unranked, maybe not for long, but they definitely are unbeaten. From Lancaster, Pennsylvania, this is Gordon Mann. Thank you, Gordon, for that. We certainly appreciate his time and putting that together for his story and then uh, being able to run it ourselves. Um, fascinating story out of Lancaster Bible. Uh, you remember last year they were 28-3, and uh, lost in the in the NEAC championship, which left them out of the NCAA tournament the year before, 22-9. and That 22-9 and year had rebounded from a 4-22 and season the year before that. They have gone through coaching changes. Uh, it is great to see Lancaster Bible here on the scene, as it were, at 10-0 and with two big games. Now, I am not voting for them just yet. 
in the top 25. They have a huge win over Franklin and Marshall, who I just put on my ballot at number 25 this this past week. Uh, that win coming the third game of the season, the game at Messiah beat them 94-66. Um, they've beaten Messiah. They've beaten Franklin and Marshall, as we mentioned. Uh, outside of that, though, not a lot to really gauge on their resume from my point of view. So I've been kind of waiting. Well, I think this weekend's a perfect week to wait. They travel and will play Casanova and Morrisville State. Morrisville State has represented the NEAC in the last few years rather well in the NCAA tournament, though last year they did not make it. I kind of want to use them, while certainly not Morrisville State of two years ago compares to Morrisville State now, but Morrisville State has a very good season uh, themselves, or a solid season, I should say. I want to see them get through this weekend. If they get through this weekend unscathed with two more wins before coming home to play a couple more and kind of going back and forth in conference play for the rest of the season, I'm going to be much, much um, more interested in voting for them on my top 25. But my top 25 is a mess to begin with. I have probably 70 teams, 70 teams I am considering uh, in some way, shape, or form, whether they're in my top 25 or deserve to be in my top 25 or on the outside going, hey, maybe I should be there. There's a lot of teams to consider. Lancaster Bible is one of them. They are on, I would say, the short list to make it. But then again, that short list may be longer than I want to admit to. Uh, there's a lot of teams. I want to see them get through this weekend. They are one of several teams, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I want to see get through the weekend um, before I vote for him. I want to see how they do. Thank you again to Gordon. I appreciate that. Lancaster Bible is located not that far from Franklin and Marshall in the southern central part of Pennsylvania, which is really mid-Atlantic region for everybody else. But because they play in the NAAC, they are an East region team. That being said, because that's how our transition goes into the mid-Atlantic. But we're going to go back to women's basketball. Coming up, we'll continue further south and head into Arlington, Virginia to talk women's basketball at Marymount. Team is off to, or not off to a tremendous start. We are halfway through the season, and they are leading the CAC after a dominating win over York of Pennsylvania. We'll talk to the Marymount women's head coach coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I want to thank our partners at the WBCA and NABC for being a part of this show, especially the WBCA coming on board in the last week or so. 
Uh, it's been a crazy uh, show. Obviously, you got a lot packed in. It's an extra long show because these interviews have been so great, but it's also pre-recorded, so it tends to get out of control when we pre-record these shows a little easier than it is when it's live. When we are live, which we will be on Sunday at 7 o'clock with about a half live, half recorded show, you can always interact with us live on the show via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can always join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville or email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Of course, all of those uh, mediums to communicate with us are also available when we're not on the air. If you have guest ideas, you have questions, et cetera, et cetera, let us know. If you want more information on the Hoopsville Marathon coming up on uh, the 28th of January, the 12-hour Thursday show, or you want to know about more about our fundraiser, that which will be uh, um, reappearing again for the third year uh, any day now, feel free to uh, email us, tweet us, or join us on Facebook. Uh, so we talked about in the last block, Lancaster Bible men's basketball is being our transition from the East to the Mid-Atlantic because they're in the Mid-Atlantic, but in an East region t- conference. Well, we're transitioning South now. We're outside Washington, D.C., talking women's basketball from the Capital Athletic Conference. And, you know, this is a conference that has, over the years, certainly produced a number of good teams and certainly a number of great races I'm a little biased, obviously, as my alma mater used to be in the CAC, but there have been some tremendously good basketball teams that have come out of the CAC over the years, and and one of them has always been Marymount. And even if they've had an off year, they're a dangerous team, and uh, really because their head coach of yesteryear has been so good uh, that the coaching tree from him alone has resulted in a number of good coaches, and one of them is at the helm of the Marymount Saints as we speak. In her sixth season, it is Ashley Rogers, and joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. 11-2 and on the season as we speak, 6-0 and in the CAC. Obviously, this is we're talking to you before you play your Wednesday game against Penn State Harrisburg at home, but we're talking to you after a big win over York that got you to this point. You've got to love how this season has unfolded so far. Well, yeah, I'm really happy with how my team is playing. I mean, to be 11-2 and 6-0 and in the conference so far, I mean, you can't really ask for uh, things to be too much better. But, I mean, um, you know, it's just been it's been fun. And yeah. it's really exciting to see uh, our team peak at this point, you know, and I think that we're riding a wave that we're looking to continue to ride uh, as we finish up the first round of CAC conference play. And then we get to do it all again and see everybody the second time around. So, Sure. Yeah, the second time around is always the most interesting part of the uh, of the conference schedule. Of course, going back to the, near the beginning of the season, Thanksgiving weekend or week, I should say, wasn't the most enjoyable. Uh, you guys lost at home against Messiah on the twenty first. Then Stevenson came to town and beat you guys as well on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, ever since then, though, eight straight wins. What did you guys learn about the team in those two losses that you have adjusted or changed moving forward? Uh, well, I think with the Messiah game, you know, we lost to them in the championship of our tournament. And one of the things that we did right away was we took that runner-up plaque, and uh, it's been in the locker room ever since. Mm. So it's something that, you know, us as a team, we look at it daily and you know, remind ourselves that we don't want the feeling of being runner-up again. And sure. we had a rare opportunity of being able to play Messiah a second time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I think we did that. We learned from our mistakes. Um, we learned that we, um, I think, in some ways we do have, you know, experience um, with Kiavana and Miranda um, as our senior class leading the way. But, you know, we do have a lot of youth with our sophomores and freshmen that are getting some significant amount of playing time. 
where, um, you know, they learn that you can't just, you know, roll into a game, that you have to be ready to play every night. And um, you know, I think that having those back-to-back -back losses um, showed the girls that, you know, we're not invincible. We have to come ready to play every day, something that we've been preaching to them from, you know, since day one. But it's not until you take those blows that you really wake up. And I think that while we were disappointed when they happened, um, in some ways we're glad that they happened when they did because, you know, obviously the conference play is, is what is most important. And we play those teams out of conference so that we're more prepared, you know, come uh, CAC time. So. Well, it seems like you were reading my mind. You lose that game to Messiah, 64-58. You came back three games or four games later and beat them 71-38 on their floor. Granted, that's a Messiah squad we talked to who was kind of still in transition themselves. Seems like they may have been finding their stride as of late, as predicted by their coach. But 71-38, you, you pretty much made a statement in that one. Yeah, you know, and um, we when we played them the first time around in Stevenson, um, our team was a little different. We didn't have Miranda and Enki for the majority of the preseason, so we were practicing without you know two of our top players. And then um, we had two guards, a freshman and a sophomore, that were getting a lot of playing time. And they got hurt, and uh, we got Miranda back, we got Key back, and we actually had to change our offense around that time hmm. um, after playing Messiah and Stevenson, not necessarily because of the losses, but more because our personnel had changed. Sure. Um, and, you know, it, it worked in our favor. You know, it's it's hard, you know, when you're like four or five games in and you're like, okay, we need to go back <laughs> to the drawing board. Um, you know, I think that that was uh, taking a risk, and, and it's a risk that paid off for us. Um, interesting enough, the one thing that jumps out of me about your team is the defense. Um, you do not allow a lot of points. In fact, um, as we speak, you're sixth in the nation at 46.4 points a game. 46.4 points a game. And you played some darn good teams like York, held them to 33. We mentioned Messiah at 38. Um, you have held a number of squads in the 30 and low 40s point of view. Um, that being said, you certainly had that game against Randolph making that one ninety one eighty. Uh, you you've got a couple of blips on the screen there, but what's the defensive mentality that is working so well with such a low scoring uh, defensive unit? Well, you know, it's something that we've talked about from day one. You know, we're not going to always uh, be able to, as much as we'd like to try, get the ball in the hoop. Sometimes there's a lid on on the rim, um, but something that we feel like that's very much in control is our defense and putting the pressure on the other team and making them feel uncomfortable. And we just work on that every day. We, you know, build up from one-on-ones, two-on-twos to five-on-fives. And it's just, I think, that repetition of working on our rotations um, and them really taking pride in, you know, getting these stops and the feeling of satisfaction that they receive um, by doing so, you know, to them now they're understanding that that's just as satisfying as, you know, hitting a three or, you know, scoring a, um, a layup in transition. So the girls really taking on the mentality of, wow, you know, this is what's winning us games and the defense is going to create our offense. Um, it's something that we've really talked about from day one, and we've just built that trust with them um, each day and each practice that goes by. So it's something that we take, you know, great pride in. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of it has to do with we have a, a pretty tall starting lineup. Mm -hmm. And we have two posts that I think it's difficult for other teams to match up with at this point. Um, and, you know, with Nicole being about 5'11", you know, six foot, and 
Miranda being about 6'1", and then we have Kiavana, who's a 5'11 guard. I mean, you know, it's really difficult when you're driving the lane and you have these girls who are there protecting the basket, and they're they're like walls. Their arms are straight up. You know, they're they're making it difficult for you to get to the basket. I mean, I felt like, you know, just the York game being the most recent game, um, I think that every time that they tried to go to the basket, they had, you know, not just one, but they had two or three Marymount girls that were there, and we were in our in our correct rotations. Our hands were up. We're getting deflections. You know, nothing really seemed easy for them, and um, that's what we want to do to all the, the teams that we play against. We want to make them feel uncomfortable. We'll talk about the team in a second, but back to that York game. You know, this is a squad. York comes in, granted, an off season last year for Betsy Whitman's squad at twelve and fifteen, but they're back to where we normally see them. Yeah. Uh, they were eleven and one coming into that game. They normally average, you know, in the seventies in scoring. They had put up eighty points on Salisbury the game before that. Um, they had put up a ton of games in the seventies and eighties. You held them to thirty-three points. That's just that's an incredible number when it comes to it, uh, especially a surprise to me when I when I looked at it, and the game was at York, which is a always a tough place to play. Uh, I would agree. I mean, it isn't easy going into York um, and playing Betsy's teams. I mean, she always has them well prepared. Um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them, but I you know I really do. I feel like we've hit our stride, and that um, you know from our height to our matchup um, problems that we create, that it, it's, we're really limiting teams to one contested shot, and we get that ball and we look to go. Well, something else that jumps out at me is you're 16th in the country in, in rebounding margin at nearly 10 to your advantage. Um, you're 36th in the country in steals per game. You're 29th in the country in forced turnovers, 30th in the country in just flat-out steals. Obviously, it's the defensive side of things um, that are driving the ship, but it's certainly transitioning into the offense very nicely. I would imagine that the defense is playing so well right now, there's less pressure on the offense, and so it kind of just flows instead of feeling like you got to score. Um, in some ways, that's absolutely true. I mean, if you looked at the beginning of the York game, um, we were getting you know stop after stop, and we were looking to transition and score. And I think the adrenaline of the game and, and our nerves got the best of us because I think we had like seven turnovers to start out the game. Oof. And I'm not saying you know I think you know York's transition defense had some things to do with that, but at the same time um, we were making some careless passes. And I think that you know that we were so excited in getting those stops and hitting our rotations and getting the ball and looking to go that um, you know we had some poor passing um, and we didn't really we weren't able to connect so um, once we settled down and we realized okay our defense is where it needs to be if we can't score you know out of the first primary transition we need to settle down and we need to run our offense and you're exactly right I mean you know if we're not um, scoring off of one of our options we are really focused on going to the boards and getting those rebounds so you know I think that that has something that we focused on and has worked really well for us. Talking about your team, as you mentioned, the height. You got three players listed at five ten. You've got another at six foot, another at six foot one. You even have a, a scattering of five nine, five eight size. You are a taller unit to be sure, uh, and you're you're a unit that has got certainly some senior leadership on it, uh, as you've got what three seniors, four seniors on this squad. But it's really some of the youth that is stepping up to the plate. Um, I hope I say Nicole's last name correctly. Vercuso. 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 Um, yeah. sophomore at 15 and a half points a game, hauling in 
over eight rebounds a game, handing out an assist and a half and getting a steal and a half. She's mm-hmm. actually from my neck of the woods up here, uh, famed Hereford High and Hereford Zone up here in Phoenix, Maryland, which has a whole other meaning in, in terms of winter. Hereford Zone's a special place. Um, but then you got a senior after her in uh, Kiavana Lacey at 14.2 points a game. She's hauling down six rebounds, handing out two and a half assists, getting two and a half uh, uh, steals a game. Those two are certainly the big number uh, ladies on the squad. But you've got another senior, Miranda Crott, who's contributing. Lee, uh, Leah uh, Hurst, the sophomore, contributing. Tiffany McQueen, a freshman, contributing. You're getting a lot of classes and a lot of different places of contributions on this squad, and that's that's got to help the offense as well. <laughs> yes, I mean, I'm not complaining at all with uh, the threat <laughs> that we have. Uh, no. I, but, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, I mean, it, you know, we don't just have one post. We have two posts. Yeah. And, we create matchup problems with that. I mean, Kiavana Lacey and um, Miranda Crott, I mean, they, um, you know, we got a, a conference championship their uh, freshman year, and I think that something they're really pushing for and working hard for is to, to leave on the same note that they came in with. And they're doing a great job in leading the team, and uh, Key is really our glue. You know, she's our heart. She's been a leader since her freshman year, and the team really responds to her well. Um, you know, she's not afraid to do the, the dirty work. She's mm. going to take the charges. She's in there with, you know, two or three girls um, from the other team, you know, fighting for rebounds. Um, and she's one that her defense is creating our offense and her own offense at times. I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've really never seen a player who's able to get a deflection, tap it to herself to lead herself for the layup. I mean, if it's possible, she got a steal assist and a, a basket all in, in one possession. Um, and, you know, if you only really understand that if you've seen her play. Um, and then Miranda, I mean, she's just a beast on the boards, and her and Nicole work so well together. Um, she's just really developed her game and, and having a better idea of where she is in relationship to the basket. And um, she's slowing down and being patient, and, and she's finishing um, a lot of, of the shot opportunities that she's getting. And she's just athletic. I mean, she's 6'1". We put mm. her on guard sometimes. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's really difficult for some of the um, teams that we're going against if, you know, we put her on a shooter for their shooters to get shots off. And then Nicole, oh, my gosh, she has emerged um, as a force to be reckoned with. You know, she really needed her freshman year to understand the concepts that we were <laughs> sure. and really kind of lay the foundation. Um, but, you know, she worked her tail off in the summer, and she developed her moves um, to help her execute more consistently. And, you know, she's got a tough turnaround in the post that's been difficult for our opponents to defend. And, you know, she's able to also hit a 15-footer, um, so she's kind of got some inside-outside game. You played at Marymount, graduated in 2003. You knew this CAC when it certainly was in its heyday and kind of transitioning into yet another great series of of, uh, of talent. Um, and height has always been kind of the, 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 the secret weapon, I think, of the CAC. Granted, Liz Hickey came along after you were in play, um, but you probably saw her play. There was certainly a plenty of height in the conference when you were around as well. It, it seems like that's the bread and butter of a good CAC squad, especially on the women's side. If you can have a really good post or two and some guard play to offset that, you've got a dangerous team. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree. And um, I think that someone that I didn't really mention, and, you know, she is what makes our team go, is Leah Hurst. Mm. 
Martinez, you know, you mentioned she's all, she's only a sophomore, but you know, yeah. she played started in every game last year as a freshman. So she does have um, some experience um, more than some of the other girls on the team, but she does an amazing job of just setting up her teammates, you know, and she's somebody that gives us an outside presence and uh, you know, she does her ability to get to the basket, but you know, at the same time, making the reads and setting up key Miranda, Nicole, um, you know, she's very talented in that way. She reminds me of Caitlin Fisher um, when she does that. You've got Mary, Caitlin Fisher, nice reference. Uh, you, you've got Mary Washington coming up. You've got Salisbury coming up. Obviously, those two teams have represented the CAC over the years. Obviously, Salisbury last year, though, they've lost a lot of talent. Um, those are the big ones uh, in the immediate future. How important is it to keep this run going and at least get the win at home against Mary Washington? Even if you were to trip up against Salisbury, it's a road game. How important is it at home, and how important are these two games coming up? Well, I mean, every game is important, and we're really just trying to focus on the next big game. Sure. We're not trying to get ahead of ourselves. I know it's what every coach is pretty much going to <laughs> oh, say. Oh, absolutely. But, it, you know, it, it's true. Like, you, you can't look past anybody in yeah. our conference. And, you know, as I mentioned, um, I think my girls kind of did that a little bit early in the season when we, you know, encountered those losses to Messiah and Stevenson, and I'm hoping that we learn from them. And I think in some ways that we did um, because, you know, with Christmas, when we came back from Christmas break, you know, we, we talked about how, you know, this is very similar to when we came back from Thanksgiving break. We had, um, you know, Stevenson, and we had lost to Stevenson at home, and we wanted to make sure that we didn't do that again with conference play. So I, I, I think that, um, you know, every team from top to bottom in the CAC is difficult. Yes, um, Salisbury, you know, lost some key players to graduation, but, heck, Kelly's got them playing so well. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you know, Mary Wash is always going to be tough year in, year out. So, um, you know, for us to, you know, look past one, you know, over the other, um, that would be really dumb as me as, you know, dumb of me as a coach to, to do. So we're just going to focus on that next game. We're going to keep focusing more on our game goals. I mean, our long-term goal is, yeah, we want to contend for a CAC championship, but in order for that to happen, we have um, game goals that we're trying to tackle, and we're doing that with our defense and our rebounding and our assists and our turnovers and our free throw shooting. You know, we're leading the conference in, in and I'm pretty proud of that as well. So, But how crazy is this conference? It's you guys, York, Mary Washington, Christopher Newport, all, when we're speaking, at 11-2 and two out of comp, you know, overall. You're at 6-0, and oh, York and Mary, and Mary Washington 5-1, and one. Christopher Newport 4-2, and two, tied with Salisbury, who's 8-5 and five overall. This is a huge group of very good teams, especially over the years. Marymount, certainly over its history, has been a solid program. Betsy's got that team at York almost perennially at the top of the CAC mm -hmm. now. Mary Washington, even when they're having an off year, is a dangerous squad. Christopher Newport entering the conference pretty much coming off of Final Four appearances. And now Salisbury, who has reemerged in the mix. This is a top-heavy conference that is filled with talent. Yeah, I mean, in any given night, someone can knock each other off. And yeah. I think that's what's kind of hurt us in the past as a conference because, you know, we uh, we have those nights where – you know, someone's got a nice little wing streak going, and then somebody comes in and beats them, and then somebody else starts a win streak, and then somebody comes in and beats them. I mean, last year um, we were the only team in the conference to beat Salisbury. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that um, I know we were really proud of as a team. But, you know, looking at this year, 
I mean, you have, we have five teams that you just mentioned that have either been in the top 25 or have received votes for the top 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty darn competitive yeah. conference, and it's just going to get harder each game. That you know, every, next big game is just going to be just as hard. Of course, the uh, bar was set by uh, the great Bill Finney at, when he was at Marymount. <laughs> you played under Bill. Um, and, of course, you are one of many uh, now coaches who have come out from underneath that tree, as it were, uh, to, to have success. And it's great. You know, you've decided to come back to your alma mater. I suspect Bill is on your speed dial. Um, <laughs> but without having to call him, how much of an influence has his, uh, was his coaching back when you played? And, and then after the fact, how much of a, is that still an influence now? Are you basically a, a Bill Finney uh, a younger version. That's what we'll see on the court. Or you, or you have your own style. Well, um, I would definitely give Coach a lot of credit in that I wouldn't be coaching if it wasn't for hmm. him. You know, I remember him calling me in his office as I was about to graduate. He's like, "What are you going to do next?" And <laughs> you know, I was thinking to myself, "Well, you know, gosh, I just got my degree in education. I'm, you know, hopefully going to go out and, and be a teacher." And he goes, "Well, I think that you should look into coaching. I think that you would be um, a great coach." And I know the uh, head coach at Gettysburg, and he has a GA spot open. Um, if you're interested, I'll give him a call for you. And you know, I thought about it for a couple minutes, and I was like, "You know what? Let, let's see where this takes me." Sure. And I was very fortunate that Mike Kirkpatrick hired me at Gettysburg, and as soon as I stepped on the court as an assistant for him, I knew that I wasn't ready to leave the game. And I'm so grateful that Coach saw that in me to pull him, pull me in his office and to lead me in that direction. And, um, you know, to be back at my alma mater, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just gives me an opportunity to give back to a school that has given me so much and to now um, try and – not to recreate the experience that I had, but I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't enjoy the time that sure. I had here at Marymount. So I, I want my players to, um, you know, have that fun and have that joy and understand, though, that this takes hard work mm-hmm. and that if it was easy, everybody would be doing yeah. it. So, yeah. you know, they walk in, they see the banners on the wall, and, you know, there are a lot of good stories behind those banners. But the girls that are coming in, they want to put up another banner, and that's kind of the goal every year. And, you know, Coach instilled that in his teams. Um, he instilled that in me, and, you know, I'm continuing that tradition in, in a lot of ways. So now as far as being a mini Bill Finney, <laughs> I, you know, I think you could have chosen a little bit better wording there. <laughs> I didn't have uh, anything else. I didn't add nothing in my brain sounded any better. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a mini Bill. I mean, nobody's a mini Bill. Bill's pretty tall, by the way. He is. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, I, I, I'm very grateful for um, what he taught me about the game and what he taught me about how to use the game to teach life lessons. I am quite sure he's been li- listening to the uh, the uh, interview. He is always lurking on this show. Every once in a while I will get an email that goes, oh, he was watching. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to hear from him after this one as well. I know he's not that far away from the game. He ends up being a great resource when we need him. So hello to Bill um, while we got the opportunity. Another little twist for you, two of them actually, is you will be going into the Hall of Fame for Marymount coming up this spring. Certainly well-deserved. You're a four-year starter, two-year captain, and all-capital athletic conference member. You got helped get this squad to the Final Four uh, your junior year. Uh, well-deserved. Congratulations on that. What's that honor mean to you? Well, thank you. I mean, um, in some ways, I mean, it was a surprise. I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I was told 
in the middle of uh, December where I'm focusing on the next game, and I get a call from my assistant coach. And, oh, by the way. Uh, yeah, well, Steve Wicker, he goes, well, I think you know why I'm calling you. And I was like, no, I have no idea. Do you have somebody that I should be recruiting? And he, he's like, no, you're, you're going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this, this April. And I, I just – I was really caught off guard. I mean, like I said, this is so much fun. And the memories that I have with my teammates and with Coach – um, I just would, they're just so valuable and priceless that um, I just, I, I am thankful that the committee thought highly enough for me to, to go in this year. So. Well, it's certainly a, a great honor for you. The other interesting twist is you don't see this a lot in college basketball in general, but especially the Division three level, though it's happened. Catholic certainly had it work out pretty nicely when the uh, a husband and wife were both coaching uh, uh, basketball programs. It was the Lonergans back in the day for Catholic. Uh, for for Marymount, it's now the Rogers. As your husband uh, Chris uh, coaches the men's basketball team, I assume there's a little bit of a. I, I kind of know you two. There's got to be a little bit of a rivalry back at the house. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what that's like. <laughs> I mean, we do what we do because we love it, but we also yeah. love the part of competing. But sure. you know. Here's the thing. As much as we are very competitive people, we're very supportive of one another. Yeah. Well, I, hey, I, I, and to have kids on top of that, I know makes it challenging. I, I tip my hats to you guys. I can't imagine both coaching and having children. Uh, I can, I'm having trouble just having children myself with my wife. Uh, the balancing is, is crazy to begin with, but congratulations. I do want to encourage you guys, if you ever want to take a nice trip to uh, – to uh, somewhere in the middle of, of the Christmas season that you two are welcome to come to the uh, D3Hoops.com Classic. It'd be great oh, to have you. both Marymount squads there, wouldn't it? Yeah, we would love to do that. That'd be a nice family trip on top of it all. Um, well, hey, Ashley, thank you so much for taking so much time to, to talk uh, about Marymount basketball. It's certainly the CAC is going to be worth, or it's always worth watching. Uh, this year it is going to be exciting to watch all the way down to the end. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, Dave, thank you for what you do. Um, I'd also just like to take this opportunity to thank the Marymount community, from our fans to our parents to the president, um, President Shank, um, our new athletic director, Jamie Reynolds. I mean, we are very fortunate um, to be able to do what we do here at Marymount, and uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without the people around us. So um, I'm very grateful to them, and and, um, I'm looking forward to, you know, the next game that's coming up. So thanks, Dave, for your time. Absolutely. Congratulations yet again on a great uh, uh, great start. I keep saying that. We're halfway through. Great mark to the season so far, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, I'm quite sure. Okay, thanks, Dave. Ashley Rogers joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, as we talk to them, 11-2, in the CAC. They can't leave that number one position at worst if Penn State-Harrisburg were to trip them on Wednesday. They're still tied for first in the conference. But that is a five-horse race that is going to be worth watching. I'm surprised there's not more top 25 voters buying into some of those teams. you got some great coaches there who are doing some good things, those who've been there a while and those who are young. Uh, Ashley Rogers certainly fitting into that group. We're gonna, we're, I'm sure we're going to be talking to a lot of CAC women's coaches the rest of this season. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. We'll go back out to Texas, where I am now transitioned to, and get a wrap-up of the show out there. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, more Hoopsville right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. 
I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division Three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville and welcome back to San Antonio where we're wrapping up the show. I want to thank all of our guests so far for being on the show. Caltech's Dr. Oliver Esslinger, uh, Hilbert's Rob Grand Prix, uh, Nazareth's Kelly Dunn. Uh, I want to thank Gordon for getting us Lancaster Bible, Zach Filson, and of course from Marymount, Ashley Rogers. I want to also thank their sports information directors for assisting us with getting those coaches on. It's a little bit earlier than normal in the season, or in the week, I should say, for a Thursday show, getting us cooperating with us very much last minute to get guests on uh, recorded as we did this before we headed out to San Antonio. Really appreciate the efforts they made along with the coaches as well. We are going to be back live Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time from the WBCA NABC studios. We will have uh, a taste of San Antonio. We'll get whatever we find pertinent here out of the convention. We'll also hopefully talk to some of the coaches involved in the games that we catch at Trinity as well. So look for that. 7 o'clock we'll also then have to obviously have some live guests and we'll get some live guests. Granted, uh, when we talk Sundays, we talk Northeast, we talk Atlantic, uh, Central and South regions. Obviously we'll cover the South here in San Antonio. We'll work on getting the other guests as well. Uh, big game to watch this weekend. There's a lot of big games to be completely honest, but the one that I've certainly got my eye on is going to come out of the uh, uh, out of the Great Lakes region. Mount Union taking on John Carroll. That should be a terrific game for the top of their conference. Both of them ranked. This is the perfect litmus test for John Carroll and Mount Union. There are John Carroll's undefeated. Everyone sees that they're having one of the best seasons they've had in a long time. But are they as good as their record? Mount Union is a good way of testing that. Mount Union. Not all the voters are buying in. Some people don't think they're as good as advertised, as it were. I completely get that. I'm even a little leery about where I have them in my top 25 poll. But you can, uh, you can see that they're going to have this game against John Carroll. This will give us a lot of information. Win or lose for both teams, it's going to be how they win or how they lose that's going to be the most important. Uh, I want to make sure you point you to d3hoops.com. Terrific around the nation articles, around the region articles, I should say, for this week, including who is Whitworth. A, a terrific article about that. These writers are doing some good work. I want to make sure you get a chance to read and get a chance to understand teams and regions just a little bit better. Of course, I want to also remind you about the Hoopsville Marathon coming up. We'll be on the air for 12 hours at least on January 28th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern and going till 10 Pacific or 10 p.m. Eastern time. I don't think we'll get to 10 Pacific time. That'd be until 1 a.m. on the East Coast, and that's pushing a little bit. But we usually go into a little bit of overtime on those 12 hours. We're already starting to work on guests for that show. We hope you'll enjoy it. some of it, all of it, whatever you, you feel like doing. 
Uh, don't forget, you can follow us out here at the NCAA convention. Follow us on our Twitter, obviously uh, D3Hoopsville on Twitter. But we'll also be tweeting from Dave McHugh, at uh, Dave McHugh is my main business account. Uh, and you can also follow us on at YD3Show, depending on what the topic is and whether we've accidentally tweeted from the wrong account, which will certainly happen uh, at times. Uh, again, I want to thank WBCA and NABC for allowing us to be able to come out here to San Antonio without their contributions and, and partnerships for the show. We wouldn't be able to make trips like this. We'll be starting the Hoopsville fundraiser sometime soon. I, I, I don't know the exact timing of when we'll start it, but we'll start it soon again under the encouragement of a number of people out there who've asked us to do it again. Uh, we ask you if you feel uh, that we are doing a good enough job that you would contribute as well. Furthermore, your contributions that allow us not to only to upgrade equipment, but make trips like this that we think are important to cover Division Three, And this is certainly one of those. This is my second NCAA convention. And while it's early, it certainly has been enjoyable so far, meeting people that I haven't met but only know, uh, or getting to see people we've known for a long time and reconnecting. And of course, covering what's important to the student athletes, coaches, administrators, et cetera, of Division Three, and of course the fans is important as well. Again, we'll be back on the air 7 o'clock Eastern Time on Sunday after we've made our way back from San Antonio. Of course, knock on wood that the weather cooperates. If the weather doesn't cooperate, follow us on, the, on our Twitter account. We'll give you updates as to what's going on with the show. At D3Hoopsville, again, at D3Hoopsville on your Twitter or hashtag Hoopsville. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And of course, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Don't have much else to add because mainly this is all pre-recorded, so I don't have anything I can react to tonight. Uh, that may be going on, but we hope you've enjoyed the show. Again, I want to thank uh, Caltech's Dr. Uh, Oliver Esslinger, better known as Doc. I want to thank Hilbert's Rob de Grand Prix, Nazareth's Kelly Dunn, uh, Marymount's Ashley Rogers, and of course Gordon Mann for getting us Lancaster Bibles, Zach Filson. By the way, if you want to see the Sports Illustrated article on Caltech, we provided a link on our show page for this show, amongst other information. Thanks for watching Hoopsville. Appreciate you taking the time. This is Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. We'll be back in the WBCA and ABC studios coming up on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in and see you on Sunday.